Blog Talk Radio. about this. Lovers. 
heaven What else in hell Can you get an open line to heaven At 11-11 Emerge at the other end Of those meditation portals And elevated walk tools Even some abort tools Any questions, comments or concerns Press 1 To everyone else Thanks for attending another session I'm pleased to teach but it's an honor to learn Certainly Courtesy of KTL University Oh please don't be frightened I'm terribly sorry about this You are Peace, peace, peace Peace to you and yours Peace to you and yours This is No The Ledge Radio and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed, this is your host, Brother Blue. I am joined by my co-host, Brother Red, in the building. Peace, family. Peace, peace, peace to the family, peace to the family. Welcome to Northern Ledge Radio. You are now rocking with the best. This is your co-host, Brother Red, still reporting live and direct from the A-Town, from Atlanta, from Atlanta, from Atlanta, ATL. So this is KTL in the ATL. What's happening? Happening. What's happening? What's going on down there? How's the grid feel? Down here in the dirty, dirty. I mean, grid is, you know, it is what it, it's always popping in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? The energy and the frequencies. It's always, uh, it's always something bubbling on the stove. Uh, you know, um, just on my way down, I took, a, I took the, the Chinaman last night and, uh, I was able to catch up on, uh, a lot of my, you know, a lot of the news cycling things that were going on and whatnot, and uh, I was able to follow what was going on out there in St. Louis. So as I got off the bus, I started trying to take the temperature of the city. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm looking at people's eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm watching how they walk. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm checking them out at the light. You know what I mean? See if I see any fire in their eyes. You know, and um, I, I'm going to keep looking. But we out here, though. <laughs> I got a new appreciation for Atlanta um, due to my research that I was doing based on the Ebola situation. I uncovered a lot of things that I was um, Atlanta. That's really a 44 city. I know it sits on the 33rd, but it's really a 44 city. You know what I'm saying? Georgia's a 44 resonated period. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of work that we need to do in the A. I'm glad that you're there on that red clay. You know what I'm saying? And um. Shout out to the entire ATL family. It's so many people that are part of our collective, our immediate family in the A-Town. Of course, shout out to Mama Pill. Um, shout out to our, our sister, Nakiba. Our she younger brother, A.T. the Art Degree. She gave herself huh? a new she, she, she anointed herself a new title the other day. Lavender Pills, she she will be on the show very soon. Got some things that she wants to talk to the sisters about. So, you know, that's my sister. Yeah, you will be uh, soon introduced to her family. We've been rolling out the rest of the family. You met KTR's degree, our younger brother. You met Mama Pill. You met Red in the Blue. It's time to meet the Lavender Pill. So shout out to her, Akiba. Shout out to KTR's Lavender Pill. Lavender Pill. Shout out to KTR's degree. You know, shout out okay. to Amir. Son is out here. He's been holding it down the whole summer. I actually got to 
you know, sit down and talk to him and, t- and have him download, tell me what he's seen, you know. I want to get his assessment of everything's ATL. But, um, you know, it's a beautiful thing, man. Uh, you know, oh, hold on, yeah, know. we got, hold on, don't, don't, don't just brush it over. We got mad nieces and nephews down there. Don't do that. Oh, not at all. Okay, shout out to Khalil, Tatine, Tanasi, shout out to Chloe, shout out to Jordan, you know. Christian. Of course, you know, we got a little of me out there as well, you know, so it's, it's, it's a full deck, you know, and of course there is the uh, shout out to Ghetto Shaman, shout out to Soul Messiah, shout out to Tyrock, shout out to Star, uh, shout out to Brother Nasi down there, and, and his entire collective. Shout out to Sister Silly yeah. and her entire collective, everybody that resonates on that grid. Coach Kayez down there. Um, Brother the Panic. Man, people. Yeah, Brother Panic Brother is down Panic. there. Yes, sir. Uh, Bobby's uh, down there. Bobby Hammond and his wife. Uh, Brother uh, Jerry Miller, Sandra Frazier. Yes, 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 yes. And their children Bobby. as well, all of their children. Yeah, Brother um, Amir Bay. Uh, Calvin, you know what I'm saying, Joaquin. Yeah. Shout out to Wesley Muhammad, you know what I'm saying. Shout out to my brother Wesley Muhammad. I saw the brother Wesley, Philip Muhammad, and Joaquin, and the other brothers in the Nation of Islam on Saturday. I took a trip to Philly. Shout out to my brother Hakeem, my <laughs> black Nobel. Shout out to Tyson. Shout out to black and Nobel. Yes, yeah, yeah, Brother Hives, we was doing it up, you know what I mean? Uh, shout out to Sabia, uh, Abdullah Mosley Bay. They got a popping class. Uh, my brother, um, damn, uh, man, I don't want to forget my brother's name. Uh, I'm going to remember it, and I'm going to shout out to the brother, because uh, the brother's Rose. Hanif. Yeah. Hanif, the brother's Morris class is out there. I want to say salute to him his team, you know, Philly has definitely turned up, you know what I mean? They were asking, when is the red and the blue going to come back and do what it is that we do? You know, they're very eager for an event, so we need to put that on the calendar. Yeah, I've been thinking, I've been, I've been, I've been, Philly's been on my mind, you know what I'm saying? I definitely resonate with that grid. Shout out to Ross Ben, he's out there as well, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, it's, 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 it's strong, you know, family, Family everywhere. Shout out to the St. Louis family. You know what I'm saying? Shout out. I'm in full 110% solidarity for my brothers and sisters that are out there, you know, dealing with with unbalanced emotions the best way that they know how. Not blame them for expressing themselves. However they see fit, you are not in that situation. You know, all all of these Facebook, you know, these, these keyboard pundits, you know what I'm saying? All this social commentary about what should be done and what could be done and what needs to be done. Like, y'all need to cut that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, I know. It's March. Put them in your put them in your prayers. Yeah, yeah, some power prayer. Like, get back into it. Yeah, get on your magic. All, all, all those people. Yeah, all those people in your consciousness. You know what I'm saying? Like, find a little homie that you see on the, on the TV, lock that, that, that vision in your head. Yeah, Take lock it to the heaven. Fact, whatever God you pray to, whether your God is in the heavens 
whether your God is in your heart, whether your God is corporal and, and you believe that it's only you in this universe, even better. You know, send them protective light. Send them guidance. You know, yeah. call upon whatever deistic force that you know of, whatever angelic force, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you deal with. We're going to talk about that's, that tonight. Whatever you feel is real, family. Is facts. So summon whatever right? deity or entity of, of a, a, a war god or, or justice, retribution, the balance, the scales, the ma'at. If it's ma'at, if it's married, if it's Mary Magdalene, if it's Lucy, yo, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Do what you do. But bring that power and that energy from within, from the cosmos, and blanket it over our brothers and sisters who are on the front lines at this point in our, in, in, in our lives. You know what I mean? It's these dog days of summer where, you know, the temperature has been rising, the pot's been on the stove. You feel what I'm saying? And, you know, shit is popping off. Excuse my, my, my French Latin. But uh, it's going down. Um, you know, football season is about to start, so there's about a week left. You know what I mean? But uh, in that week, you know, I, I hope that we can accomplish some things. I hope we can make some statements. You feel what I'm saying? Like the brother Blue Pill said, I'm in 100% in solidarity with my brothers and sisters in St. Louis, burn that motherfucker. Oh, yeah, down. push it, push it, push it a little bit. At least say 101. Go one up I'm on Lucy, all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm 101 standing in solidarity okay. with my brother. I hope they burn some Korean hair stand, um, uh, beauty salons down. I hope they burn the weave and the wig shop <laughs> down. I hope they burn the sneaker stores down. I hope they burn the um, Jewish jewelry stores down. I hope they burn the Arab uh, delis down. I hope they burn everything down. And I hope that shit sparks a fire and some of our creative awesomeness that are out here listening to the show. God damn it. Because they've done more in one day than you pacifying Negroes did with your Skittles and your damn hoodie protests over the Trayvon Martin situation. And like I said, this incident that we're seeing, these incidents that we're seeing carried out, but they're being provocateurs, the, 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 um, the, Police departments and whatnot are pushing people into a corner at this point. This was actually, this this was a ritual that was actually took in place almost a year ago with the whole Trayvon Martin verdict, which was another ritual that took place in February of 2012 when they murdered him. And there's shows that have been done about it, and we talked about it, and we already prophesied what was going to come down the pipeline and what these Europeans or these devils were doing to our people. You feel what I'm saying? And what the what the what the um the ultimate game plan was. And it's playing out. It's playing out, you know what I'm saying? And you know, it's it's a lot of interesting things yeah, taking yeah. place. Hold on, hold on. Time. Let's 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 do this. Let's get this situated, all right? In these particular day and times, because of the puritanical branding that has been done on the consciousness of our people, it's time to trade in your crown of thorns because, you know, that's victimhood, okay? Time to trade in your crown of thorns for your crown of horns. Stop giving them the power of the devil, right? Find another moniker that fits the adversarial force, but don't do that one. I want to give a shout-out to my brother, yeah, Adika Butler, who wrote an amazing article, and he explained in this article 
in the time of the Moors, that's exactly the, the, the moniker that they assigned to the Moors, which was the light bearers. And that light that they're talking about was your hue, your melanin, okay, your outward melanin. That's the neuromelanin, but who and what you were seeing that in terms of a dark hue person, right? So there's an etymology, there's a history to that particular word, Right, and I know that there's a difference between the devil and Lucifer, or what have you, but at least get a grasp, firm understanding, and acknowledgement of what that difference is before you start throwing titles people away and empowering them. You understand me? Right. Like I said, what you feel is real. All of this is based on belief and perception. This is all dealing with imagination. This is all dealing with faculties of the mind. All right, and what we understand at this particular time is that we are looking at a people who have been mind fucked. All right, and because of that, they cannot figure out or find themselves outside of these situations. We're looking at situations that are, are coming down from higher principalities. You know, they're actually saying that this officer's name might be Michael White, and he killed Michael Brown. We're dealing with something mm. different here. Okay, we're dealing with something different here. It's not as simple as you think. And there's definitely a, a, a message being conveyed. I want to give a shout-out to my brother, Minister Jew. You know what I'm saying? Came on Coach Tahir's show the other night, the night of the full moon, and, and did a demonstration where he made a coherent explanation about what it is that he sees taking place and um, providing counteractive measures as well, and just asking the family to come outside and commune with this moon, you know, put your intent into that that, that beacon signal, you know what I'm saying, which magnifies your intent and beams it across into different places, and especially dealing with that arc, you know, that they have up in St. Louis, taking them back to Friday's show, it takes you to arc degree, you know what I'm saying, when we were talking about that arc that's in the brain, the processing of light, talk about how big that moon was and how bright that moon was, but what about that moon? What about these astrological bodies? What about these windows in time? You know what I'm saying? Are they just to be looked at and adored, or are these particular times, you know, are these are these times, these, these signals and these signs to be utilized for you to do what you got to do? So we're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm definitely honored to be able to bring forth one of our masters. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A brother that definitely has a finger on the pulse and has a full grasp and understanding about what needs to be done during these times. All right? For victory, not victimhood, but for victory. You know what I'm saying? You would never send to this planet to not have a way out other situations such as this, okay? And just because the fire is underneath your feet and it might be getting a little hot, it doesn't mean that you're burning. Not yet. But if you remain comatose and you remain unresponsive to certain levels of stimuli, then you might burn up. But ultimately, the decision is yours. So we're going to lay some things out tonight, and we'll leave that decision to the people. Because when it all comes down to it, we can only be responsible for ourselves at the end of the day. Okay?
day. We could put others in our prayers. You know what I'm saying? We can hit others to gain. You feel me? You can turn on people's lights or what have you. But this is a soul mission. We can move as a collective, but you only need as strong as your weakest link. So everybody's going to have to carry their weight. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to also say this, you know, because we are dealing in a time in which, like I said, there's no separation, okay? There's no separation in the great divine speech through signs continuously. And um, I made a post yesterday, you know, and it was in the, uh, in the height of the moment or the heat of the moment, as they say, and I, I kind of might have said some disparaging things in this particular post. And this post was about the loss of life of Robin Williams, okay? And my little sister took me, had it not been her, I probably would have responded, you know, in a defensive manner. Like, what? You know, like how you were spazzing on, on the women on 25th? Yeah. I might have I lost it, right? But because it was my sister, my younger sister, you know, it made me sit back and um, take a look and an assessment of where was the connecting through line between all of these things. And a bunch of things converged at once. Um, my brother Quad Mega had called me for during the full moon after I came back from doing my little ritual. And he was like, yo, I got this book that you got to read. And I'm like, okay, well, how are you going to get it to me? He's like, look it up online. And it was a book from a brother named Neville Goodard. Okay. What's the now, name? Neville Goodard. Huh? Mellow Goodard? Neville. Oh, Neville Goodard. Neville, yes. Okay. And um, so I checked his book out, right? And his book was definitely, definitely on point. It came right on time. In a minute, but I found the book and I opened it up. It said this book was published in 1944. So immediately I was like, okay, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, the universe has brought to my attention. And I had to read this book, and I, I read it immediately. Um, I knocked it down. Well, I knocked the majority of it down that night, you know what I'm saying? And the book was called Feeling is the Secret, Okay. And it was one of those books that they say, you know, you read a book in real time and it can change your life. Yeah. This book somewhat changed my perception because I have been on my, um, I've been on, you know, on my pole shit, on my high horse, telling people about the power of belief and how power of belief supersedes what somebody's quote-unquote concept of truth is. You know what I'm saying? Fuck what you know. What do you believe? And how strongly do you believe it? So his brother was explaining the science of belief and putting feeling behind your belief. When I went out that night, that same night, and I put that feeling behind my intent, when I came in and I looked in my news feed, 44 officers in France got injured in a riot. I didn't even know they was rioting in St. Louis. Of course, we know that St. Louis is a, is a town 
or a state for that matter that was named after the French, after Louis the Ninth, I believe. Okay? So I'm seeing these correlating factors. I'm not allowing it to necessarily go to my head. I'm just like, okay, I'm really a believer now in the power of the mind. I'm acknowledging it. I'm like, yo, we can do this. But how many other believers are out there? You feel me? How many other people believe in themselves? How many people believe in the faculty of thought, the faculty of your own mind? And we always say that this universe is mental, but what are we doing to cultivate those mental powers? What are we doing to demonstrate those mental powers? Have you proven it to yourself? Do you believe it to be true? So this book helped, you know what I'm saying? This book helped. And then when I was able to step back, to do some more research, I'm like, damn, we're looking at somewhat of the same situation. Robin Williams committed suicide because of mental depression, okay, because he could not control his mind and his thoughts and deal and cope in a world in which people loved him. But because of something, he didn't love himself, mm. right? Yeah. We're dealing with a situation where we look at, you know, the young man who lost his life in St. Louis, and we're dealing with a situation where he loved his life, but the world don't love him. So it's a juxtaposition of opposites that we're looking at here. You know, mm. everything's related. Duality. Said, you know like what? I made a mistake, you know, and I made judgment. I'm not going to judge again, and I do apologize if, there's anybody that's hearing this that was offended, especially, you know, my youngest sister, I'll have to tell her that I do apologize to her for some things I said, but not everything, okay? See, we grew up on Mark and Mindy. You remember that shit? Mm-hmm. It was one of our favorite shows. And then when I went back and looked at his catalog, Robin Williams was one of the most brilliant political social satirists of his time. Okay, he put us on to major, major during the years of R&B, which is Reagan and Bush. He used to bang on that system. You feel me? So if I would have to say, damn, taking him outside of the context of which community likes to put, you know, uh, this adversarial role on everybody because of their quote-unquote skin tone, if I have to say friend or foe, what would I, what category would I put him in? Don't be shy, man. Who? You asking me? I'm asking you. Yeah, you was there with me. That was my entertainer. He entertained me. You know what I'm saying? I was Popeye, bro. Hold on one minute. Give me one minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, B. That's how I know people ain't from my generation. Nobody even mentions Popeye. God damn it. That was my story. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going on records and I will go on the social networks to bring some clarity to the situation. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah, I, I do want to extend a rest in peace to uh, Robin Williams and, and I don't want to stigmatize his death or what have you, 
and I want to understand it, like I said, as a lesson, a lesson from the great divine that's speaking to us about the importance of the mind, you know, and keeping the mind divine and keeping it clear and void of all obstructions, you know what I'm saying? That's what we're learning about here, the importance of loving oneself and the power that comes with that. You feel me? With that being said, I would like to, uh, you know, once the brother comes back, definitely get the show underway. Okay? So let me read a description for the program. Join Nola Let's Radio for a powerful presentation, Practical Solutions for Impractical Times. Are you complicit in the sorcery being utilized against you? More importantly, what can be done about it in real time? We are opening the airways to bring forth our resident hollow practitioner, Brother Oba, who has an insightful message to share with those willing to receive it. Bring your pads and your pens because class is in session. This will not be a passive program either, but one that implements active solutions in real time. Remember the wars for your mind, and it is time to reprogram your mental faculties so that you can see clearly. Family, with no further ado, I want to present to you caller from the 201-936. Caller, peace. Peace, what's going on, family? What it do? Peace, peace. Greetings, my brother. Yeah, Welcome back. To the yeah, 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 man. I ain't, I'm, I'm around. I ain't too far. You know what I mean? I'm off the grid, but I'm definitely yeah. keeping my ears to the, you know what I mean? To the ledge. So, Absolutely. Before I get Absolutely. started, can you, um, before can you I get some clearance on the phone? Or you got it on speaker? I'm on, I'm, you know, I'm on regular. I'm just on the phone. I ain't got it on speaker yet. I ain't, you know, I'm on the iPhone. Okay. My girl's iPhone, so I ain't technologically that, uh, you know, Familiar. I don't really fuck with this stuff. Excuse my language. But um, I do want to start out with shouting out the peoples. I got to give a big shout out to African Echoes in Newark, New Jersey. They, Brother Inuni, um Brother Trust, um, Brother Ali, you know what I'm saying? They be doing the work out here, um, you know, because Newark is in some bad shape, you know, uh, spiritually, you feel me? Oh, yes, indeed. Hello? Brother, you there? Hello? Hello? Yes. Sorry, yeah, I'm you, sorry. You I got, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. That was Because they, 
This is an organization that goes back to the days of the first world. You know what I mean? Wow. They still run it. Right. Um, truth be told, I just did a, a I did a, a ceremony last week and I initiated somebody as a full Olorisha priest. And uh, Brother Baba Anuni and them brought Renoko Rashidi to my ceremony. Okay? Wow. So okay. I got to give a shout out to Baba you know, Renoko Rashidi for coming through and partaking in this in these uh indigenous, you know what I'm saying, rituals that we maintain and that we keep them together. Um, so I just wanted to shout them out because they're doing the work. You feel me? But um, Renoko Rashidi is in the spot. They just came back from Mexico looking for black people. You understand what I'm saying? Like, they have yeah, my partner, yeah. yeah, shout out to Seaweed. My partner went on that trip. He was just giving me the information about what they encountered. He was talking about they made like a 16, 17 hour trek. You know yeah. what I'm saying? On bus. I'm yeah. like, say what? He's like, yeah. yeah. He's like, we're well, no about that. He was like, they, they have to drive 16 hours, 17 hours to a site through the jungles of yeah. Mexico. Yeah. That's dedication. Yeah. He's the last, you know, like, he's the last of the Dr. Jeffries group of people, you know what I'm saying? Son ain't just sitting down, you know, pontificating and conjuring up. He out there doing the work, you know what I'm saying? He out there, he's taking the pictures, finding the black people where they ain't they and tell you that the black people been maintaining. Um, so, and for him to come through to my to my, my, my celebration because it's a seven-day ceremony. And so he came through on the third day when we had the drums and all that, partook in that. That's a, you know, that shows the dedication like that. He's not just talking, you know what I mean, putting his dashikis on and talking to shit, son coming out and doing it. You know what I Wow. They just took a little boy out, man. I know that guy, man. He, 
he family was, you know what I'm saying, he related to some people that I know, like, you know what I mean? Like, dude always was a good dude, he was a big dude, but he never took his size to, you know what I mean, to take advantage of anybody. Let's be clear about that. Because in his younger days, he would put all of the police on their ass. Let's get clear about that. You feel me? In his younger days, he'd have knocked all of them cats out. It wouldn't have been no choking him out. They'd have been, you know what I'm saying, dragging him in the precinct, calling him a cop killer. You know what I mean? And so we didn't do nothing in New York. Like I said, I ain't, I ain't with the Skittles and the hoodies, man. I'm not doing no, no protests on social networks. Man, we got to do something. You got to divest your money out of these, out of these, 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 these industries that take from us that we don't get nothing from. You know what I mean? It's, okay, you want to look nice? That's cool, but if you're giving your money to these Koreans who give they, that money to the Indians, who when they come to this country, they hate your guts. Stop spending your money with them. I mean, to look that fly ain't really that important at some point. When do you have a stance? When do you have an attitude about something? You understand? Like, yo, I'm not, I don't, I don't purchase Michael Jordan because I feel like, yo, you contribute to, to the prison industrial complex. I'm not with that. And so I've got to take a stance. I don't care how black you are, but if you're doing something that's against my moral code, then I've got to change, i got to, you know what I'm saying, i got to divorce myself for you. And so I divorced myself for Sean Carter because, you know what, I feel like you ain't doing anything for my people. You sold my neighborhood to these crackers, and now you're talking slick about how brothers ain't got it, but you, you contributed to that. You understand? And so I got to take a stance. Yeah, your music might be popping, but guess what? At some point, I got to stand up and be like, I ain't with that. You did? Um, right. And so we have to start looking at how we can, because we are the greatest consumers in this country, and probably the whole entire world, right? Um, and we don't divest our money for people who necessarily don't give us respect as an ethnic group. We don't divest our money. We don't, you know, when I was growing, when we were growing up, it was a long time before cats in New York wore Reeboks because they were talking about Reeboks was, was, was supporting apartheid and cats stopped apartheid. wearing Reeboks. Right. You, remember, you remember that? that Reeboks right. Yes, I do. Exo fits in the classics. Only the cats out of town was wearing them because in New York, in places like New York and L.A., Nukes wasn't wearing the Reeboks because it was like, yo, you're going to have to divest out of, out of from South Africa. You know what I mean? And so which generation, our generation, we have to be culpable about that. We come from a generation of, of, of boycott and consciousness. You know, this rap business that we all enthralled into, it didn't start out with all of the champagne dreams and, and caviar, you know what I'm saying, days. It didn't start out that way. And so it's up to us because it's our children. Uh, Michael Brown, that's somebody who's like our age, kid. You understand? Yeah, I was, I was, was, he, was born, he was born in 96, around them times. They yeah, 96. Pop, like, he was born off the hip hop music. That could be any one of our kids. I, I, was, I, I had, you know what I'm saying, I could have the minerals to make babies in 96. So you're telling me, that it's okay for them to kill my babies because this ain't my homeboy no more. We're talking about my son, my nephew. You understand? My godson. You're talking about that, and it's okay? Nah, it ain't okay. And then for us to say anything about it, so you know what? They off there riding in St. Louis, then I support that. Although it may not be the best thing to do, but guess what? They're doing something. 
You did. And so we we have to take back our generation because at the end of the day, everything that they're doing on television and all of that, that's based on our our generation, the children that were born in the 70s, raised in the 80s, that got their thing on in the 90s. This is ours. When you see them twerking and all the slang, all of that comes from us. Let's be clear about that. Okay? And so, yeah. The Shmurda dancers, the Tati from the from the um from when we used to be in the dance hall, man. I mean yeah. the Shmurda dance with Bobby Shmurda. You ain't did he ain't been nothing new. That's like I said, that's the Tati and the pepper seed and all of that, the heel toe that they these kids is doing. We invented that. We invented that. I'm going on. I'm going on record saying this, and I'm co-signing everything that you're saying, Obar. The code, the 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 the, uh, the program that the youth are going and living by, from the dots all the way down to the knuckle draggers. We wrote those codes in the tunnel. We wrote those codes in the art. We wrote Absolutely. those codes in the '90s. It ain't Absolutely. about it, it. ain't about Jay Z. It ain't about Puffy. And they. What about all of the niggas that they made music for? They still alive. They're the ones Absolutely. that are carrying out the code. They having children, man. It's not about the. It's not about those five or six rappers. It's wow. about they was making music for and they was emulating people from the hood that we we know we grew up with. Everybody. Absolutely. So the code, the code that the world is, I'm in Atlanta right now, um, Oba, and it's mm-hmm. back, and I'm not getting on my high horse. I'm not getting in my ego bag. I'm just dig, I'm digging into my legend bag. We help, I help, I help personally build up Atlanta visit by visit, brick for brick, and that's fact. Anybody who's out here, if it was out here, that, that when, it, when it really mattered, will tell you. We played our hands personally, not I know the man who knows. No, me personally. Me, Burger, and G Young, right off of NA Rock, right off of Notion, that came out here Absolutely. and laid this thing down and created what they know now as Black Hollywood. Facts. Without the weirdo stuff. But all of that, all of that wearing Gucci, all of that Louis, all of that Get Fly party, all of that is a New York best style Crown Heights Flatbush motif that we created during the Biggie era, man. This shit is nothing new. It is Absolutely. nothing new, and, it, and it's, a, it's an illmatic, it's a, it's a loop that keeps looping, and each time that it loops, it gets more degenerative, but we're Absolutely. responsible for this. No, we, we, we're totally responsible for it, and we can't, you know, see, first of all, let me, I'm going I'm to dig in on our elders for a, minute, for a moment, okay? I'm going to give it out like it's supposed to be given. First off, the baby boomers, they feel the shit, okay? It's full of shit. Excuse my language, the Latin that I'm using, but they are full of it. You know why? Because baby boomers had this idea that they changed the world, that they changed the world with their youth, right? And because they thought that it was their youth that changed the world, they held on to their youth. So you had literally a generation of people who have not grown up. They're in some Peter Pan business. So that you see baby boomers with long hair and a ponytail trying to be hippies. That day is over. So now, because they haven't grown up, we forced our generation to not grow up, okay? So that you can't tell the difference between somebody old or young anymore because old people dressing like young people. That's a problem. 
there's, there's no distinctive lines between generations at this moment. So that you got cats whose parents didn't really necessarily grow up listening to hip hop. They was already adults when it came out, but now they're all into the hip hop. So they've now transcended into another generation trying to act like they're young. And so what does that do for our generation? That holds, that makes our generation juvenile. So that now I look at 40-year-old men with their pants hanging off their ass. Like, son, what are you doing? You feel me? You're not being a man. You're not even aspiring to grow up to be a man. You're still rocking fitted and snapbacks like you a teenager. And then what happens? The same men be talking to teenagers because their mind is, has not developed beyond their juvenile, their juvenile age. So their little teenage age, they literally have not progressed beyond that. So they're still acting like teenagers. But we got men that are 45 years old talking about, yo, I'm about to knock shorty down. What you talking about, son? You got to get it. You know what I'm saying? You ain't talking about knocking something down. I got a 401k or something. Slimming. Okay. So what happens is the baby boomers have set everything out of motion because they have not wanted to grow up. You understand? And so they've been on their high horse talking about how they changed the world in the 60s, but they haven't grown up since then. They haven't established themselves as the, the elders that they're supposed to be. And I'm not saying the whole entire generation, but as a, as a broad stroke, the entire baby boomer generation is still acting like it's, it's the, the, the summer of love. Okay? And that affects us. But now, we've got a generation of cats that ain't growing up yet. They're not, they're not even realizing that. Because I'm going to be honest with you. When I turned 30 years old, seven years ago, I had not a clue what I was going to do. You know why? Because I came from a generation that was dying at 16, 14 years old. So to make it to 30, I didn't have a plan because I didn't think I would make it that far. And that's a reality that so, nobody... Do you, do you remember, yeah, the, the the market that we had on 30 was big. Being broke at 30, giving niggas the pills. Like, that was the only shit to make us scratch our head. Like, oh, shit, I'm 30 and I'm broke. What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Other than yeah. that, there was nothing reinforcing for you to have a, 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 a perspective to look back at your life when you was 30 because it wasn't guaranteed. Nobody was talking like that. Exactly. And so, listen to Pac, and Pac tells you, I was born in this world. I didn't make it. Okay? And so, we got a generation that we didn't necessarily, we were dying at, between the ages of 14 and 21. When I made it to be 30, I had no plan because guess what? I had no, my lifespan didn't, I didn't think my lifespan would make it that far. Okay? And so, now at 30, I had to reinvent myself. Like, what am I going to do? Because guess what? Those years, they didn't, they didn't give me any skills, you know, to work in their workforce to do any of these things. So now I have to find an alternative way to live, okay? Now my second indictment, unfortunately, goes out to the sisters, okay? Now they're not going to like what, I'm got, what i got to say, but it's the truth. So the state of black affairs it's a lot of it weighs on the black woman. And the reason for that is because she is she does not acknowledge the power that she has. She's still trying to play the victim in front of us. How are you playing the victim when you account for majority of the consumer of the, of the uh, consumer goods in the entire world? In the entire world. Okay. So you say, 
oh, well, the black man ain't this and the black man ain't that. But you've been raising them for the last 30 to 60 years. You've been raising them by yourself. And so when you say, oh, I don't need a man, why do you put us in a position? Because guess what? Why raise them? But you didn't raise a great, a good black man. So what happens now? You now have black women who are now looking towards white men to be the ones to necessarily mate with and court with. You got that's the whole problem. Okay. That's, that's, that's all the problem right now. Yes, it's on television. Scandal telling them to be having a affair with a white man. No. What I'm saying is when you go to Brooklyn, the new Brooklyn, and even some parts of Harlem, but definitely that new Brooklyn, when I was at the, <laughs> when I was at Dance Africa BAM in May, Memorial Weekend, I got a rude awakening about the new wave the Brooklyn is on, family. All right. Yeah, this ain't no. We ain't talking about. We ain't talking about Raquisha and all of them. We talking about my Aztec Met Bay was coming through with uh with with with, with uh you know they was coming through with pink toes and snow. You know what I'm saying? Like they was coming in hard, pointing out the shea butter, pointing out the kente cloth. You know what I mean? Trying to wrap them up in the in, in the dashikis and all that. Like they was really going in. I'm talking yeah. about waves, waves, waves of our sisters, natural, so-called goddesses. You know what I'm saying? Like real talk. This wasn't no. This wasn't like the Kerry Washington lookalikes. We, these no. were, we, yeah, these was Badu daughters coming through hard. Well, we'll dig this. How is it? Sorry, blue. Sorry, blue. How is it that they can necessarily have anything to say when? I mean, well, let's just. I mean, let's, and I'm gonna go in on the whole indictment. And I don't really care because I know that the sisters, they're going to feel the way. But this is what it is. And if don't nobody say it, it ain't going to get said. And the bottom line is, since slavery, the black woman has been in power. Okay? Because there wasn't no male bed warmers in the, in the house. So when you see Django and you see Samuel L. Jackson, that, that, that's not a real depiction of, of plantation life because don't no old black man get to run no plantation. I don't care what it, because. That young white boy didn't suck on his titty. Let's be clear about that. Okay? And so from the time of slavery, she has usurped the black man's power because she's been put in power by the white man. Okay? Now let's look at her victimization. Her victimization isn't based on what? They raped you? They was raping the men too. So they was raping us, then castrating us and hanging us from trees. Okay? And... The prison industrial complex ain't filled with sisters. It's filled with young black men. Okay? And so when you look at the situation, when you look at in terms of economics, in terms of households, most black women have two, uh, two incomes in their household. They got the one that they work, that they got the local BS job with, and then they're getting some type of support from half of a ch- or somebody else's check. Okay? So that means there's two incomes in that home. And what do they spend it on? They spend it on hair, nails, sneakers, and electronics. But those no black men spend, black men spend money here, but they don't spend money in terms of, 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 of a real ratio compared to the black woman. Not by far. Because you can stand on any block in any urban neighborhood, and you're going to see more women driving on them cars, those, those foreign cars, than you will see the men. Exactly. 
Okay? So let's talk about the fact that they've been talking over this victimization bullshit. But they haven't been victims in a long time. Because they didn't shoot a, a black woman out there in St. Louis. They shot a black man. They took the black man in, in Staten Island. Okay? Uh, John Bell was a black man. Um, Amadou Diallo was a black man. Admiral Wien was a black man. They don't do this to black women. Oscar Grant. You understand? So the last black woman to really, that you could really say, oh, well, they did this to the sister, might have been Eleanor Bumper. Okay? And so, and I'm not saying that this doesn't happen to the sisters. No, by, not, by no means am I saying that. But I'm saying in terms of the ratio, the disparity is, is crazy compared to what happens to black men. So now let's talk about how we're going to necessarily change that. How we change that is when the black woman stops necessarily pledging herself to the material items that the white man sells her. Okay? When she decides that... Again. Say that again? I was saying, and the Korean as well. Absolutely, and the Korean. But, I mean, they, they're, all, they're all agents of, of, of racism. Mm-hmm. When I say the white man, I'm not talking about the individual white man because I know some white people that are really good people and I deal with them as people. But I'm talking about as a broad stroke group. White racism takes the money out of our community. We don't have any industry. When you listen to Umar Johnson, Umar Johnson breaks it down to you that there is no black middle class. Because guess what? All those black women that went out there and got some PhDs, they don't make the money that they're supposed to make. Okay? But they spent that money for that for that education though, didn't they? It ain't black men spending that money on that education. Okay? So now what has to happen is that in order for us to necessarily evolve and to, to, to make ourselves well, they have to divorce themselves of all of the material items that they require. Okay? They have to divorce themselves of that. They have to necessarily look start to to, to uh Rate men based on their character and their deeds and not how much money they make and how many uh, chicks that they got surrounding them. Because these chicks talk of all of that nonsense, but at the end of the day, you support that. You, all of the chicks love Jay-Z because he got money, not because he's a great guy. You understand? So ain't nobody, ain't no chicks talking about, yo, I'm a big up poor mega or, or common sense or any one of the, the conscious brothers. There's a good dude. So they're going to be a dude who got the fat pocket, who look like a white man, because he looks like he put the suit on and, you know, he could spend some money and make you feel like well, let me, let me Let me interject, you know, because we do live in a society where it's structural, and we do know the nature of a woman and she's going to gravitate towards the power or what she perceives to be the power center of that particular structure system. So are we just focusing a lot more so on the effect and not the cause? Because, you know, a woman is going to choose, and and based on the criteria that she's choosing, we see in certain things that make us, quote, unquote, uncomfortable, but we do understand the dynamics. You feel what I'm saying? No, but hear hear me out. Hear me out, Bill. I'm not saying, okay, for instance, in the 1950s, the model of a family was that the man went to work and the woman stayed home and the kids went to school, right? And not since before desegregation have black men had any kind of power in terms of economics because prior to desegregation, 
it was black tailors, there were black butchers, there were black shoemakers, there were black, and these were held by men. And so that they, these men were able to necessarily have uh, a say in their household in terms of the economics and, and the moral uh, context of their home. But when you change the dynamics of that, so that now that the black woman makes more money per capita than the black man, how do we change that? So is it impossible for a black man to be a domestic, for his wife to go to work every day and for him to raise the children and homeschool them and feed them? You understand? If you if you uplift that image of a black man, then that becomes what the benchmark of what a man is. See, so you're asking a man, you're asking a black man to necessarily compete against other black men so that he can hit this glass ceiling. And so what about the other black men that have to compete? So they're not, they don't get to be men because they didn't get that position? You understand what I'm saying? Like, I do. Economically, yeah. economically, when you, when you have somebody like, like Colin Powell, the most powerful black man in the world, telling you that there's a glass ceiling, that means that you're running a race that's already been rigged. And so once you get to understand that the race is rigged, I'm not going to win, then guess what? We're going we're gonna to change the, 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 the criteria for what the winner is. So what I'm saying is if the sisters are the ones getting the PhDs, if they're the ones that are getting the $100,000 jobs, let them do that. But now it's up to, it's up to them to uplift the idea of a black man being able to be home with his children and not necessarily that lowering his standard of being a man. You understand? You get where right. I'm coming from. So that you have you would have a man that doesn't feel a way about being home with his kids because his wife supports that. Like, you know what? I got a great husband. He be at home. He teaches the children. He homeschools them, he cooks for them, he does the laundry, my house is clean, he takes care of the lawn. That is that guy. And I but, just go out here what and... What I'm saying is this, right, in this society where we're dealing with, right, in this society, though, where we're dealing with a level of groupthink, is that practical? Because we're asking the person, they will have to be an individual in order to step away from the group and say, you know what, I'm going to set the, my own criteria and I'm going to follow that. But if we're saying that the people are just moving in a direction that sways the masses of the people, then we're speaking about, you know, are the people under a spell? And if so, how do you break that spell where individuals are now setting their own criteria? The society doesn't promote people to be individuals. You know what I'm saying? Everyone is following the script. Everyone is looking to, you know, everyone is looking to the magicians for their orders, and their magicians are on TV. The magicians are waving the wand by way of mass media, whether it be on a silver screen or whether it be on, you know, on, on, on a regular TV screen. So who's dictating the ways in which society moves? And at what point did it jump track and go that way? Because it wasn't always that way. You know what I'm saying? But I'm looking at a, a you know, a, a point in time of which, when did the black family break around the 60s and 70s? So we're looking at a point in which Black Panther still for strength, revolution still for strength, doing for self still for strength. You know what I'm saying? And then we know that civil rights and things of that nature might have crept in, or that was a little bit prior to, uh, uh, you know, black power, what have you, but it got watered down by way of integration like Claudia Anderson speaks about. 
so when when the dollar became the dominant factor in society and a hustler removed the revolutionary out of the place, okay, then the whole ethos of cash rule came in, and then now we're looking at what we're looking at. You know well, what I'm saying? Well, where, did it, where did it switch up and what can be done, you know, to bring things well, it, back? It, it switched up after desegregation. See, the thing is, it's not so much that we can't, the individual from the individual, the group, the problem is that black people as a group are subconsciously still trying to emulate the white man. So you you literally, like, so what I'm saying is it's not hard to look at that there's a problem in black economics, and it's based on the black man being blocked out of of making a living in white society. That's a fact. Since the days of deconstruct of reconstruction, they have made it so that black men cannot get a job. Okay? And so if you're still in, 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 in denial of that, if you still think that there's an equal rights to you, then you're insane. Because the problem is that you're running a race that somebody else got a head start for them. And then when you lost by a nose, they asked you why you didn't why you didn't run faster. What you talking about? The, the game is already rigged, and nobody wants to accept that. So that you have black people telling you out of their out of their mouth, oh well, if you just work hard and you do what I do, you could be like that too. What are you talking about? What are you saying? You sound stupid. There's no way that you can necessarily say that. Okay, because there's a black dude. So you like they put this, they put Obama in there. And so what they did is they reinstituted the, the psychosis to think for you to think that you're fucking somehow free and that you're equal. Because they put this African, half African, half white man in there and told you that you could be like him. No, you can't. You will never be like him. And they'll never put another black president in until black people necessarily overthrow some part of the government. Let's be clear about that. See? Because we didn't put a black American in there. They put an African, half African, half European in there, okay? And so they've reinstituted the psychosis of, oh, well, you too could do it too. So that I've had, I've got family members, like I've got a cousin that'd be like, oh, man, well, I don't know why you couldn't work. And I work for MTA, and I'm like, son, you're on a plantation. You don't get Back. it. Like, you're you, 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 you on a plantation, and they got you because Back. you ain't going to have enough money. So if you lose your job tomorrow, how can you sustain yourself? You you can't. You'll be right in the same boat that I'm in. You understand? And so the problem is that black people still in some way, shape, or form think that this is if everything is good. That, oh, I, I, if you just work hard, oh, them Negroes just want to sell, they just all want to sell drugs. Now, I'm not going to say that there's some dudes out there that probably didn't have to sell drugs. Or probably don't have to go raw. I'm sure they were just trying to be down with the crew. But then there's those people that they ain't have no other choice because poverty is real to them. You understand? And so it becomes a question of how did that even become a, a, a way of life for us because it was presented to us. And so is it not, am I the only crazy one to see that the, the black women do better in terms of education and employment than black young black men? Am I the only one that sees that? Because that's a fact. 
like black women make more money than black men, like nine out of ten. Like nine out of ten times, black women are in a corporate setting than the black man is. They, and what, the black man that is in the corporate setting, you go, it's only like four different archetypes for him. He's either the fake vice president, and he usually looks like a black dude. He's got a bald head, he's got glasses, and he got the cheap suit on, right? Then you go downstairs in the mailroom, it's the dude with the dread and the, and the dress shirt with the, tie, with, the, with the tie on. And then next to him is the dude with a sweater and some waves in his hair, right? And then there's the dude, the other dude that's actually sweeping the floors and mopping the floors at the end of the day, and he got a uniform on. And I'm the only four black men that you see in the city when you go into one of them buildings. True or false? Hold on. You forgot the black homosexual. Right. Well, he fits into the mailroom dude anyway. Okay? So he's now they got him doing the retail jobs. So is it crazy to think that the young black men have decided subconsciously in their mind that it would be easier for them to be a homosexual or to dress up like a woman than it is to be yes. a black man? Yes. That's what you're saying. That's the Okay. And is it, is it crazy that they've been giving our kids ADHD drugs that now make young boys produce female breasts? What are we talking about here? It's on them. I wait, I'm in the daytime, daytime television. They got the, the, the lawyer's firm talking about if your son's been taking these drugs and producing female breasts, call this number. What? Women what? go all across the world to get breast augmentations and get silicone balloons in their breasts to have big breasts, and you got a pill that makes little boys grow female breasts. Where they do that at? Mm. It ain't happening to young black women. They ain't got no pill that's making young black women grow a penis. Ain't that still what I'm saying? And so the, young, the, the black woman has to take it, has to stop acting like the elephant ain't in the room. Like, yo, you have a power because they, they hire you. They let you into their schools. So it's up to you to define what the black man is supposed to be. So, but why are you still saying that all these young, all these black men ain't shit? They don't do nothing. They just root off for you. They ain't got no jobs. You ain't looking at the situation of why they don't got no jobs and why did they got a prison, um, a school to prison pipeline for young black men? And so only the black woman can change that because she's the one that's in the she's in the in the company with him. She's the one that has the power. She spends the money on the cable TV. She spends the money on the the nails and the hair and the the, the, the Jimmy Choo shoes or the Manolo Blahniks or the red bottoms. Black men don't wear that. You did? I don't, I don't, black men ain't using their tail to get no Michael Kors bag. The women are. Okay? The women are. And so they have they they have the control because it's in their pocketbook. You feel me? Pac said you can't start a war until you get your money right. You feel me? You ain't got no supply lines. You ain't got no war. You ain't got nothing to talk about. So let's 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 point the finger where it needs to be pointed at. The black woman, because she's the one on loving hip hop. She's the one on the Atlanta housewives and this housewives acting crazy. Not us. You feel me? And so right. we have to necessarily divorce ourselves of the material, uh, the material carrot that they've been dangling in front of us. We have to necessarily start to migrate away from these cities because these cities are not built for us. Okay, these cities are not built for us. Then you're not going to be unless mm. you, you're making six figures 
you're not going to be able to, to maintain a rent of $2,500 a month. Okay? You ain't going to be able to do that. And so why stick around? Why not omit yourself from the situation and go back to the, to the, to the, to the rustic part? Or go back to the south. Go back to the Midwest where you could get you a farm. For me, as opposed to buying a Lexus or a BMW that you're going to pay for the rest of your life. And by the time you, you finish paying for it, the thing is so out of date and, and played out, it don't even mean nothing. You did? I think, quite honestly, I mean, I, I think our people really want to play that game, and I feel that irregardless of what they see around them, they feel that they can win because, like I said, because of the societal structure, that is how they identify power in society, the acquisition of things, okay, and in order to, they've all bought into the concept of race, so they are locked into a competition where they feel that they can compete with this man, that everything that he creates is worthy of them having because we're dealing with self-identity issues and we're dealing with, just what you said, a lack of love. So if these are our children, okay, from the generation of the late 80s, early 90s, and they didn't receive that love, then they have to compensate for that which doesn't exist. All right? In order for a person right, to feel a certain way about themselves continuously, we're going to be asking a lot for those people to step outside of a game that they're so locked into. You feel me? Can I add so on? locked into it. And then, hold on, with these social networks, then now they have a whole other layer of feeling that they got to compete. So they're not only competing with, you know, the shorty at the club every other week or the girl that, you know, she might have went to school with that she got to catch up to or, you know, shorty that her dude might have left her for. You know what I'm saying? But now she got the Vixens online. Now she got the strippers online. You know what I mean? Now she got Beyonce. Now she got the compete. people in her group. Yeah. And yeah, Rihanna. She, she got to compete with. Yeah. She got. She, yeah. She competing with Beyonce and Rihanna. Not even admiring them anymore, but actually competing with them because the world is so much smaller now because of social networks. The dudes she might have been checking for. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Rihanna might have started following him on Instagram. And she's losing it. Right. She's well, in the she, gym, she's getting her titties done, she's getting the booty. You feel me? Like, she's vying for survival like that because inertly she really wants, and she needs that seed. So now she's in survival mode. Like, uh. Well, see, the and how do we convince them to step away from that? Well, we, we get on the farm. It's fly guys like y'all, right? That. Like, for instance, you know, back in the days I used to be on the boosting squad and trying to stay fly and do all of that, right? And right. cats that know me now that see me be like, I ain't really on no floss and stuff. And they be like, yo, son, what's good, man? You don't get fly no more. And I'm like, fashion ain't my passion no more, daddy-o. Like, that shit don't hold no value to me. Um, What really holds value to me is the future. Like, I see beyond... See, because what happened to our generations is we were we were we were hit with with this this uh a morbid sense of mortality where you know all of that fly stuff was the only thing that was important because we didn't necessarily value life because we weren't living that long right and so that takes away from your idea to think forward of your forward thinking of thinking in the future 
when people have eliminated your future. So now that I've grasped a hold of my future, yo, listen, I got homeboys right now that be like, yo, come to the party, or I'm having a birthday party. And I'm like, son, I don't go out and party no more. And they're like, why not? I'm like, because what the hell is there to celebrate? Hmm. What are we celebrating? What is so, what's so, you know, we, we got out of context of how we was living. Like people forgot why we did the things. There's mitigating circumstances for our behavior in the 90s. There's a mitigating circumstances. We were, we were surrounded by crack and, and abandoned buildings and police brutality and a mortality rate that was crazy where the two precincts in my neighborhood was pushing out 80 murders a year. Right, so that's 160 people that was murdered in the, in in, in Bed-Stuy every year for the for the most of the 90s. Right, that's a lot of people. That's 160 people gone every year. Gone because somebody murdered them. That even that don't even in one small neighborhood. In one small neighborhood. Yeah. and we and not talking about that's the brothers that got killed dirt. by the That's pound. not even the dirt. Yeah, that they was instigating. Right, that's not even that's that's not nothing even. to do with. We're just talking about getting murdered. And so what happened is we were, we valued that, which was, wasn't was really that valuable because we necessarily didn't see a long lifespan ahead of us, right? But at this right. point, me being 37 years old, that, shit, that stuff is not important to me. Like, I've rode in a nice car. That's fine. Okay, I know what it is to drive around in a nice car and then what? You don't work all this hard to get this nice car and it got the leather and the music and then now what? Because it didn't make you a better person. Right. It didn't change your I'm situation. Saying, right. We we experienced it, but we have now set a precedent through the music and through the culture where now our children feel that they have to experience it, right? And remember, we're talking about this whole aspect of the God particle and this whole lifestyle or living period is about experiencing, it's about feeling. So if we set this precedent and these children are coming up after us, they feel that they got to feel it. The Bobby Smurders of the world feel that they got to live this life out in order to be living because we blaze the trail. So how do we turn around and tell our children that that's not the way to go and how are we going to set the example where we're carving a, a new fork in the road? And I'm not saying that it can't be done, I'm just saying, like, tonight, let us talk cool. about some practical solutions that will redirect that energy, you know what I'm saying, or the people that are, you know, that have experienced it, you know what I'm saying? My my concept is that build it and they'll come, you know what I'm saying? And what we're talking about is not going to be real until the children are able to see it and gravitate towards it to be like, you know what? Then they got off the grid and they doing their thing, you know what I'm saying? And And, you know, they're not necessarily out there living like Quakers. You know, there's something to gain from, from you know, they got they got their own businesses up. You know what I'm saying? They got inventions, technological breakthroughs. You know what I'm saying? They're not living like the Flintstones. I might wanna I might wanna be involved with that. But see, that's the thing though. That's the thing that we that, that we can't be afraid of. See, you know, um luxuries and and, and uh and, and 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 things that make your life better, right? That's one thing. But see, I understand the whole concept about well, you know, I you know I, why I gotta be broke? I don't gotta be broke and be conscious. No, you don't. But what do you what are you getting the money for? 
You understand what I'm saying? Like, to put on nice clothes, that's a mundane feeling. After that, what else is there? You put on some nice clothes. Like, y'all, y'all know you've been the flyest dude in this, on, on, on this planet, and it don't make you any better, okay? Mm-hmm. And so we have to reestablish what the value of certain things is. What's really valuable? You know what's really valuable? That, yo, son, you can't talk to me and come kick you with me and smoke a blunt, and you won't take care of your kids. Like, that's not what, that ain't cool. I'm not spitting a co-sign you on that. You can't hang out with me. We, you can't break bread and do nothing with me when your kids is at home and they don't know who you are. I'm not. I'm not hanging out with you. And that's real talk. Like I divorced myself from a, from a lot of people because guess what, son? You're not living right. You're not living right. And that's simple things. Like yo, go see your kids. I don't care. Oh, she don't want to let you see them because you don't got no money. Buy them. We'll show up at the school if you're there every day at the at the gate and wait to see your kid every morning. Be like, yo, I love you. Well, I can respect that. But if you're just talking about them trying to get this money but you ain't seeing your kids, I feel a way about that. And guess what? I'm not fit to support you. You're not fit to hang out around me like that. You understand? Because I'm a man. Right. And so I have to necessarily establish what is valuable to me. What is valuable is I got a homeboy that necessarily adopted his his sister his, uh, his wife's uh, niece because her brother is, is stressed out on, on, on drugs. and A young dude, me and I age group, he's stressed out on drugs and been in the crazy house in and out. And suddenly they had two kids. And so what did my homeboy do? He, he adopted his, 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 his niece. You feel me? Because her father can't get it together. That's my man. Right. If he called me tomorrow and asked me for anything, I'm going to stop what I'm doing to try to facilitate to that thing because he does manly things, and I value that. So when somebody asks me, yo, why you be all going up for son? I'd be like, because she's a man. Because guess what? Son necessarily adopted his, his niece. How about that? And that's how you got to put it in their face. Like, nah, son, you can't hang out with me and you doing foul business. I don't get out. I don't rock like that. And I'm, I'm going to look at you like a that's sucker. Right. You feel what I'm saying? We have to reestablish the lines of what it is to be what it is. Like, nah, dude, you can't, you can't tell me. Oh, you you rocking your, your ass out because you're trying to keep up with the kids, son. I don't respect you for that, homie. Like, don't talk to me. Yeah, all right, what up, son? Yeah, whatever. Keep it moving. Yeah, what up, son? Why you acting funny, son? Because your ass is out. I don't really like seeing a man with his ass out. So, nah, don't dat me up. We'll talk. We have to, we have to establish the lines and be, uh, be real about that. But when I go back to, when I go back to the sky and catch me, Son, yeah, about to shake son up. I'm like, shake who up? What are you talking about? You ain't see that cracker just walked down the block drinking his coffee? Don't tell me about that. Who you going to shake up? Because he don't owe you enough money for you to kill him. But you ain't said nothing to that white boy that just walked past you that looked at you like you was a turd on the ground. Talk to me about that. That. So you be like, yo, I can't fuck with son because son be on something different. Absolutely. And when you see me and I got a smile on my face, even though I don't got a pair of Jordans on, you know what it is because I'm happy. I'm good living the way I am. Yeah. I just... I just... I just... I just... I live. I just... I just... I live like a real, a real witch doctor, sir. I do my little readings. I get $20 off a reading. I ain't trying to take nobody's money. I'm going to give you enough money that you can get, you know what I'm saying? You can get here, and if I'm telling you something that you don't agree with, then you can at least go home and think about it, and you won't feel like I robbed you. You understand? Because guess what? That $20, that's, it ain't going to make or break me. You know what is going to make or break me? This mind I got in my head. 
because I'm going to connect with somebody that's going to be like, son, is a real dude. You know what? What you trying to do? I'm trying to have this farm. Hey, let me put this money to support you, as opposed to putting this money up so you can do this rap album so you can floss on somebody. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, what kind of is really valuable at this point? You feel me? What's really valuable? What do you, like, I got a homeboy, I was, he was doing the music, and I was promoting him, and my question to him is, what are you really doing this for? Oh, I want to make sure the homies is all right. No, 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 no. What do you mean the homies is all right? No, the homies got to make sure that they are right. What you going to do for the babies? What you going to do for these kids? You feel me? Mm-hmm. What you going to do for them? Right. What, are you talking about establishing something so that at the end of the day you got money to put into another uh, business that, that at least the young boy could get a job as a delivery man because they can't even get a job at that at this point because Mexicans have took that job from them. Mexicans mm-hmm. ran with that. Real right. Real right. And so, Shaman told me Papa John's is hiring niggas. Yeah, Papa John's is hiring, but you got to have a car to, to do that job. How about that? Oh, you got to have a whip, huh? Damn. You got to have a whip well, for that. Well, a hot metro, a hot weekly metro. Yeah, okay. You can hand out little metro uh, uh, newspapers, but that ain't going to, you know what I'm saying? Ain't no, ain't no future in that. At ain't all. No future. In that. At all. That's a welfare job, and I'm not saying that's against anybody that got that job, but I'm saying that's a job they're giving to classify you so they could give you a little bit of, you know what I'm saying, shillings for the month. You feel me? No so doubt. I'm, I'm saying we have to reestablish what is valuable to us as a people. What is valuable? What do you think means something? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going about, you know, oh, just, you know, Son, your son doing it. He get money. So what? I don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing to me. Because if you don't have the 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 the, the, the character to be about his business and the people, yo, know, let me tell you. My girl got a daughter. She's four years old. You know what my job is? To establish value into her. Okay. If me and my girl don't even make it, at least when that little girl see me another time, she'll be like, yo, I remember him because she used to tell me things that were right and correct. You feel me? Mm. And so, niggas be in shorty crib, they knocking shorty down, they ain't paying the little nigga no mind, they got him doing some little, they got him, yo, screw son, do the smutty dance. Look, look, shorty, shorty, do the smutty dance, (laughs) word. Come on, man. You ain't gave him nothing. You ain't sit down and read a book with him. You feel me? Oh, my ex-wife, man. he can tell you the first time I met her son, the first thing he did was sit on the couch next to me and put a book in my lap and open it up, and I read the book to him. You me? Son is about to graduate from high school next year from Benjamin Banneker. He got good grades. He got colleges calling out for him right now. You know why? Because I gave him value. And so when he, he, he respects me, not, not like I'm his mom's ex-husband or whatever. Nah, he'd be like, yo, that's my stepfather. Son is a real dude. You feel me? Right. Real rap. He, little boy, I scratched him. He's 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 initiating Apollo, and his pops don't even know. You feel me? Because he understood that. It's, yeah, you know what? This dude over here, he be giving me real deal, and so I'm a, I'm gonna follow him. And I, I and I I understand that my pops is and my pops is, and he ain't ready for that. But I'm gonna rock out with this dude. Right. So, what I'm saying is. It's time for us to migrate back to the country. We don't belong here no more. Ooh. We don't belong here no more. 
This ain't our this ain't our environment. Okay? Oh, Bob. Yeah, we, two. Ghetto Shaman Sense is blissing. He said, what up? Oh, that's what it is. That's my guy right there. Tell him, shout out to the, to the, to the people to <laughs> the Ghetto Shaman down in ATL doing this thing. You know what I mean? Peace, God. Peace, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yo, this yo, how that? I we we got to dig up the people that, like, I got to give a shout out to A.A. Rashid. Feel me? Because he's saying stuff that may, hey, although people be getting all up in the house about, it make people think and make people talk and make them have a conversation about it. Make them think about things. As opposed to just yeah, he's thinking, engaging. Absolutely, he getting he's engaging you into into the what is going on in society and how is it how is it uh, resonate with you? You feel me? Facts. So, I just wanted to add on, um, Oba. That um, and I, I just want to agree. I just want to veggie back off of what you were saying because on the show we brought this up in the past few months, and also on YouTube as well about the. And I'm in Atlanta right now. I just came down here today about the um, importance, and rather the uh, you know to make the case to state the case that it's time to pull ourselves out of these cities on all levels, financially supporting their little stores and whatever mm-hmm. else they're trying to do, it's paying their rents, paying, you know, giving them Israelis more money to buy rockets to kill babies. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. even if we are in the city, everywhere outside of the city consists of farmland and acreage. There's this big rumor going around in the conscious community Every- that there are people sitting on acres, all kind of different. I'm not talking about one person. There's always someone saying that they have, 10 acres, 8 acres, 20, 80, and I believe them. I, I do. Facts. I just need them to step forward now and become more vocal and more visual and give our people, take a camera, go on YouTube, open up an account, and take some footage of your land and <clears throat> tag certain people in it and let us see that land because we're from the show me state. It is because what we could do with those lands outside of the cities is we can establish an economy and an industry so when we go back into the matrix like Neo and then when they left Zion to go into the matrix to pull other people from out of the matrix, we now can have uh, uh, food, clothing, and shelter for them. We could bring our, the goods that we raise on these farms and these goods that we build and we create, the arts and crafts that we create. We could go into the city to do commerce on a weekend and bring that bread back and, and, and keep building. We could continue to build, family. There's nothing at all, nothing at this point stopping us or getting in our way. So yeah. please let me, let me let me give you yeah, a real quick example. They have container homes, right? You can buy a container home for about thirty five hundred. You could buy three of them if you want a nice size container home and put them together. You know, that's about nine racks. You don't owe no rent or nothing after that. You can buy they got they sell tiny homes for ten thousand. You feel me? Sure. So they sell yeah, monolithic yeah, yeah. domes. They got yeah. monolithic domes that go from 5,000 to 30,000, monolithic domes. They have something called earth ships that they build with tires, broken bottles, and a bunch of natural resources. You can have, I'm talking about the, the, how the, the, the cribs are elaborate, family, solar energy powered. You got plumbing. You got electricity. Anything that you have in a regular home, you can have in an earth ship, okay? And like, like Blue was saying, they have the prefabricated homes. 
So if, if housing is an issue, look, and if you really want to get on your techno, if you really want to feel like you're in the future, they got the 3D printers that are printing out homes in China, okay? Absolutely. And those are on the market as well. Facts. You could print, you could print out a home at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Google all of that. Well, and that's the thing. We we so, have to get back to our rustic, you know, because, you know, people get it twisted. We only been up here in these cities in the last 60 years, which ain't no time at all. That's the only yeah. time that we've really become acclimated to the city life. It's only in the last 60 years. And we left because we didn't know how to, we, we weren't clear at that point on how to establish our, our own. You know, you buy some land someplace yeah. that's off a grid that's not a part of a, a township, guess what? You don't pay no property taxes on it. You know why? Because the property taxes only go for the services that you need, like fire, police, and all of that kind of stuff. You feel me? Exactly. So there's places that we could establish where we can actually yeah, create right. the government. You know what I'm saying? We could create yeah, the right. sheriff's department so that we don't have to go Do into all no that. place and, and deal with all yeah, of the bureaucracy. You feel me? There's and many lands that are near natural water sources. There's nowhere else that you're going to be able to get natural water sources. Water is going to be the hottest commodity on the planet. So the thinking man, right, his move would be, oh, say, how can I get myself near some water? You know what I'm saying? Whether it's near a mountaintop where there's water coming from the mountain or natural springs or what have you, how could you get near some water? That's necessary. These are survival tactics. These are things that we're talking about. That's a good segue to what one can do while being in the city. If you work in in an office and there's computers and you're in a cubicle or whatever, a glass of water sitting on your desk helps you immensely in terms of your physiological aura and your, your, your metaphysical aura, okay? Just a glass of water, sitting there with let, let the bubbles collect so that there's oxygen, so that you see the oxygen levels around you, okay? Um, these are things that one can do because the more and more that we uh, fixate ourselves on these mechanical devices and become um, dependent on them, the less and less that we are connected to the actual earth, okay? And so just simple things like a glass of water, Cuts a lot of the the, 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 the the ions in the air around you so that you don't become a drone stuck in the little cubicle going to work every day doing the same thing, blah, blah, blah. There's different little things that one does, like you put a glass of water on your t- on your desk or some candy so that when the, when the boss come in there to talk to you, you put something sweet in his mouth. They think about it before you start talking greasy to you. These are little things that we do that we call... Uh, this is, this is little juju, a little magic that we practice that cuts the, uh, the, the, the severity of the environment that we're stuck in, okay? Um, so water is mad important in that regard. Like, you know, we, there's places that we need to find so that we can have our own natural source of water so we don't have to be beholden to them to get our water from some dam or whatever. Um, but water is just in general will help to, to alleviate some of the the, 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 uh, the the pressure that one feels is stuck in a technological world or reality, okay? Um, you know, I don't know about you, 
But if I'm holding a cell phone, a smartphone in my hand for too long, my hand gets numb because I can feel the heat emanating, the radiation emanating from the phone. Yeah. Okay? Um, that's that's a problem. That's something that's going to necessarily start to ail people in the future. You know, they're talking about now, they're telling people to be careful of leaving their cell phone on the bed at night when they're charging it because the cell phone could heat up and catch fire. Okay? Um, these are real real uh, things to worry about. Good night, baby. Love you, too. I'm sorry, y'all. Excuse me. I said good night to my little baby girl. Um, so, you know, these are things that one can do to um, alleviate some of the pressure of being in a technological uh, paradigm, okay? Um, and, and to literally just divorce yourself from being on Facebook and Instagram and all of that. Do that. Take a week off. You feel me? Yeah, I did that. Like, Facebook Ramadan. Yeah, son, you got to fast off of that stuff. Like, I go I had, on it. Yeah, I couldn't take the uh, the babies with the holes in it. I couldn't. I couldn't do the whole. I'm sorry, family. I, I had to bow out of the Israeli Gaza conflict. You know what I mean? You could call me what you want to call me, but it was becoming a lot desensitizing, and you know, uh, it was it was taken away from me. You know what I'm saying? It, it, this was the month of Ramadan, and although I didn't participate in the in the Ramadan celebration, I just felt it very uh, sacrilegious and very uh, inhumane. Whenever I logged onto Facebook, I was seeing, adult, I mean, infants, not older, you know, not older soldiers and whatnot, infants and, and women. I saw I saw a scene where there was a family, and I didn't. I was scrolling through Facebook real fast, and it looked like a family. They was just chilling in their living room, and um, there was some Arabic writing underneath, and I didn't understand what was being said, so I clicked on the picture, come to find out it was a family that got executed. I'm talking about the the whole family, everybody just sitting in the in the living room, laid out, you know, holes, you know, with shots to the head, and I decided at that point, you know, because with with, with the people, you know, you could see the psychological effects on the comments that people. You know, on the timeline, you know, there was a lot of arguing, a lot of negativity, a lot of bickering. People were jumping into their bipolar selves. You know, a lot of a lot of BS was going forth on the Facebook. So I was like, yo, I'm unplugging, B. I got to fall back into myself for the last week of the Ramadan and just tap in. I went to the, I went to the masjid and everything, to the nation. I, I, just, I just was returning back to some basics because playing, playing on that, on, in that social media world, you know, you have to be careful because you are what you eat, like Blue Pill talks about, and it's not what you put in your mouth only. It's what your eyes eat. It's what your ears are eating. You feel what I'm saying? You might not eat meat. You might not eat meat, but you on Facebook all day looking at all of the massacres and the genocide and the and atrocities that are taking place. And, you know, you you might be so pan-African or you might be so fucking conscious that you'd be like, oh, that's just them Arabs, and I hate them anyway, so who cares? Boom. Right. That, you just, right. you know what I mean? Like, you just did yourself a disservice. You, you just, you yeah, just they, fell deeper into your descent. Yeah, they got you with that. Absolutely, they got you they, with that one. You know what I'm saying? They got you with that one. Or you might be Christian, and you're seeing the atrocities take place, but your Christian body, or, the, or that white Jesus in the driver's seat jumps in and says, "Hold on, beloved, my young lamb." That's Israel. Those are the chosen people. Those are our children. So whatever that they're doing, remember what Revelation said. 
that this is only preparation, you you know, you have to you have to allow the atrocities to happen because revelations is about to occur. Right. Right. That's real business Because you know The thing is that that whole social Networking thing Desensitizes you And it keeps you locked into your dogma You feel me Because they cater to your certain dogma And they hit you with the other stuff To desensitize you And I Yo real rap I ain't been on Instagram in a year I ain't been, I, I literally, like, I lost my, I got, young boy stuck me up and took my cell phone, my smartphone, right? And, <laughs> on some real, and you know what? I was liberated. I remember you talked about it. Yeah, I was liberated. Like, yo, I don't got to deal with the phone. I don't got to answer to nobody. Yo, there was a time when if you, if I didn't have a phone, you just had to find me. And you ran into me when you needed to. And mm-hmm. literally, life is really good like that. I got a little Obama phone that I, my girl makes sure I got so she can find me when she need me or whatever. And that's it. <laughs> I'll, I'll go on Facebook. I'll look. i see what, what people are talking about. And real quick, I get inundated with, oh, I'm, oh wait a minute. Oh, I got to get off this. And I logs out, and I keep it pushing. I literally only keep the Facebook thing going on the strength that there's people that are far away that I necessarily want to be able to be connected to or whatever if I need to find them and reach out to them or, hey, happy birthday or whatever. But other than that, right. I don't grovel with it because it is the beginning of the, the of the devolution of society, okay? When everybody is like, oh, on the gram and this one on the gram and that one and they everybody's turned up and all that, when do you really live? Like, I'll be looking on Facebook, and I see how many times somebody posts, and I'll be like, yo, you either stay on your cell phone or you don't do nothing else but be on the computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When do you have time to, 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 to appreciate the sun or the moon or the, or the sky? You know, like, so cats is looking at the super moon on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Well, they ain't looking out their window up at it or going outside to get some of that that moon, right? No, they on the, on the social networks about this. That's a that's a bad indication or a bad symptom of the society. And as black people, because understand, it ain't until black people got on the internet did the internet become anything interesting. Let's be clear about that. All right, Negroes. Yo, world star changed up everything. Motherfuckers put all kinds of ratchetness on on the internet because world star, because Negro started that. Facebook, Facebook was not popping until black people got a hold of it, and the majority of the people that's on Facebook now, with more than the majority, ain't never been to college because it was originally started as a college site. Let's be clear about that, okay? Right. And so. We have to really recognize our value in the society. And so if we divorce ourselves from the society, right, they will miss us. They will. They will be like, where did they go? What happened to the American Negro? Because he's the one who fuels all of this. All of the Justin Timberlakes, the Robin Thicke, all of them, all of that is based on black people. And black people don't even realize that they're being sold. I mean, somebody was telling me, we was having a conversation and I think it was my cousin, he was saying how they put Trinidad James out there so that they can have you thinking how black people can't rap no more. You understand? And so mm-hmm. they'll put out a white boy, a white girl, 
I have you. Oh, she's nice. But meanwhile, they put out this black dude that can't rap for his life, right? And they gave him $2 million, and they just left him broke out of nowhere. Why? Because they're trying to show you that niggas can't rap no more. We've got this now. we got a white girl that rap better than all of y'all, okay? And so they're going to promote this white girl, and they're going to sell this to you like Elvis Presley. In, in 10, 15 years, you ain't going to see no niggas rapping, and you're going to forget that niggas even invented this shit. Because they done did this once before. And you know what's crazy? There's a nigga right now listening to my hell, no, that can't never happen. Really? Well, my parents didn't think that was going to happen to jazz, but I was walking past Fulton, I mean, um, Halsey Street and Notion the other day, and the little uh, voodoo lounge had some white boys in there playing jazz. Okay? Wow. The niggas were standing in the corner telling my man, I don't listen to that. Lounge? The voodoo lounge? In the voodoo lounge, yeah. Okay? Wow. On Notion and Halsey, I was walking past and they was playing jazz like the motherfucker out there and there wasn't a black motherfucker come, you know what I'm saying, touching one of them instruments. Okay? And so, black people, yo, wake up. This isn't, it's not a game. The time is ticking. Like, they they right back to putting niggas in shackles and, you know what I'm saying, having slave traders. Don't get it twisted. You might find yourself, wake up and your ass be in China somewhere making Jordans for some fucking Europeans. Don't get it twisted. You know what I mean? Um, and so the only way that we can combat this is to necessarily divorce ourselves of these luxuries, of these conveniences, because they're convenient, but doesn't necessarily make it great. Okay, it's convenient right. to be on Facebook like, and like convenience stores. Yeah, yeah. A convenience Convenient. store in New York is open twenty-four hours, but what real? Like, what are you getting out of that convenience store? that's convenient for the biology of your body. Convenience store sell poison twenty four hours. Nothing, nothing convenient. As a as a as a local meat priest, I can't go in there and get a fresh coconut. Okay, I can't ask them for some palm oil. You understand what I'm saying? Ain't nothing convenient about that shit. But you want a Dutch? You want some Colt forty five? You want some some four loco? You want some mm-hmm. chips? You want a beef patty and cheese? They got that and- for you. Yeah, Shaman brought it to my attention. Everything in them corner stores is in the commissary, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Including the tops. Including the top tobacco that needs to smoke up north. Okay? Yeah. And, yeah. and they got you talking through, the, through a, a, a plexiglass glass window like through you do at the glass. Same thing Certainly. in commissary. Certainly. And you can't see, you can't touch the items. They... They, you can't pick the items up in commissary. It ain't like you walk into a store and you put it yeah, in your bag. They bag, they bag them up for you. He's going to list. He's going to tell you whether or not it's there or not. And if he didn't look for it, then you just shit out of luck. Okay? That shit is real. That shit is so real. Okay? And now, right. Look at it. Before we, uh, yeah, before we go into the callers, because there are people... And the call queue with they with their hands up or what have you. I want to know if you have any advice, anything that you would like to share. Like, I know that there's family listening from St. Louis. You know, what I'm saying I know that the people out there are looking for some level of remedy. A lot of people have their ears open and they're sitting up. Like, okay, we need to get into this magic because not everybody believes that they can, um, you know, physically win this fight. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people want to rely upon the things in which they feel would actually work. 
in a situation such as this. Is there anything that you have to recommend to the family that they can implement to protect themselves, their homes, their neighborhood, their loved ones, things of that nature? Well, first they got to understand that they need to they need to pray for the young man, Michael Brown. They need to pray for him, okay? Um, they need to pray that his life is not in vain, number one. And they need to pray and make prayers to him so that his his soul finds the uh finds the source and can and can reunite with the source so that he can be with God. Okay, so that he can go back to what created him. Um on a metaphysical level, um, they have to take a make a pledge about literally policing themselves. I mean, at this point, honestly, and this is not even just for St. Louis, this is for everybody black in America. We have to heal ourselves from the violence that we commit amongst ourselves because then there will be no reason for the police to be in our neighborhoods. Okay? If we could police ourselves, if we can separate the difference between vice and being black, because that has become synonymous with one another, so that it just being black means that you automatically are involved in some type of vice. And that's not always so. And so what happens is the vice spills into the, the community, and the community spills into the vice. So there's a difference between somebody that's hustling and getting money and doing the, 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 the vice role and, and, the, and the consequences that lay with that as opposed to somebody because they're black, they're being subject to this, this type of behavior and this type of environment, okay? And so we need to necessarily start praying to love ourselves. We need to pray to love each other, like that, that you can walk down the street and not get into it with another black man because he feels you looking at him or, you know, because you you from a different hood or whatever. We need to eliminate that. That shit is the, the biggest problem. I find that living out here in Newark, coming from Brooklyn, Bedside, in the crack era, I done been through it all. And to now have to walk through Newark streets and have cats be like, yo, fuck you looking at, son. Like, what are you talking about, black man? What are you talking about? I ain't coming here to set up shop on your block. I ain't coming here to take nobody's life. Why can't I just pass through just on the strength that I'm a black man? Okay? And so we have to be able to heal ourselves, and we have to pray for ourselves. We have to pray for those people that got shot in the street by the police, that got shot in the street by us, so that we can pray for them so that they're not coming back here and uh, reliving these and rehashing out these old lives that were cut short, coming back with the same bitterness of, yeah, another black man shot me, so I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill me some more black men. We need to get rid of that so that there's no reason for the police to be in our neighborhoods. So that when we see the police, we automatically know that they're the enemy because the lines aren't drawn between who's the enemy and who ain't. And so this is why he can be shot down in the streets because what was the police even doing over there? You did? What were they doing there? What were they doing over there on when they took Eric Garner out? What were they doing there? You know what I'm saying? So that he that he got it twisted, that he thought that he could somehow talk talk them out of it. No, they're the enemy. And so you got to know that when they're the enemy, you got to be prepared. So like when the Watts riots happened, Pat knew exactly who the enemy was. It was, 
with the police officers in the helmets. They was the enemy, not your brother. Feel me? And so, does it take for a riot, or you know what I'm saying, for us now to be united? Does it take that so that when we run it down the street and violence is being is pervasive, it's not against each other because it's against the police. So why does it take us to get to that point? We need to necessarily stop killing each other. And, you know, like if you're not a gangster, then you shouldn't have to be subject to gangster rules. If you go to work every day, you shouldn't have to walk past a bunch of niggas and worry about whether or not one of them going to jump out and pull a gun out of you. We're supposed to know that you off limits because son go to work every day. He's a civilian. Don't say two words to him unless you're necessarily going to be saving his life. You feel me? And so somehow the lines have been blurred about who's gangster and who ain't. And so now everybody that's black got to all of a sudden have some type of gangster repertoire. You know what I mean? That, 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 that's insane. You yeah, feel me? And so we have to be responsible for ourselves so that the police don't have no reason to even come in our neighborhoods. So if they don't mm-hmm. have no reason to come in our neighborhoods, when we see them, we know that they're coming to kill one of us and we'd be able to be on top of their ass. You feel me? But because we don't have the clear lines drawn, because we ain't police on ourselves, you know, I, I forgot who it was. I was actually, I'm reading um, Michelle Alexander's book, right? And she talks about the fact that and in, in, in the real deal is that police, that's some illegal bullshit. What are you talking about? In a, in a white town, they have a sheriff, and the sheriff is elected by the people. So if he does something or anyone in his offices does anything that's out of pocket, the sheriff is accountable for it because we will fire his ass. Right? The fucking police commissioner, Bratton, don't answer to nobody else but Bill de Blasio. And can't nobody get rid of Bill de Blasio for another four years. But guess what, New York? They better get motherfucking used to police brutality because it's going to be four years before that shit becomes a, you know an issue again. You dig? Y'all talking about stop and frisk, and they out here choking it. You dig? So we got to look at the whole concept of this whole policing thing because policing has everything to do with keeping the rich, the poor from the rich. It has nothing to do with a sheriff that exalts, that exacts the, the law. You feel me? And, and, and goes and gets people based on their their violation of the laws of the town. You feel me? No, the, so the police still have a sheriff's department in New York. They still have a sheriff's department in L.A., but it's the LAPD that motherfucking be kicking niggas ass. Fact. You understand? Those are policy officers. Those are mercenaries. They are uh, security for hire. Fact. They work and protect the corporations. Henceforth, they, they're, they're there to protect the rich. This is a, this is on record. This is this is this could be proven in courts of law. This is on record. This has they have case study. This is yeah they they're there to protect property. One of the um, you know uh, the quote unquote minorities, the quote unquote uh, wards of the state. They're considered to be property, and mm-hmm. also the corporations and all of their assets yeah, and things of that nature, even their liabilities. Yes. Those are properties and property owners, and the policy officers. Those are, those those are uh, mercenaries that are there to enforce policy. They're there to enforce statutes. They're there, they're there to enforce colorable law. Okay, and they are basically you know operating. They are not operating in any kind of lawful terms, in any kind of lawful ways, especially in your neighborhood. So we have to begin to demand. Demand. 
that conversation to be had in a public arena. I F everything else at the end of the day. No more frivolous talk. We have to demand that these conversations, we have to almost force ourselves to have these conversations on a worldwide stage. That's why we have these outlets, these media outlets, um, you know, we're, we're taking it to YouTube, we're taking it to the, you know, these blog talk radios. But we got to, you know, the brothers and sisters are taking it to the streets, but we almost have to flood all of the channels at this point because it's really, really turn of time. Case in point, going back to how Oba be rallying against um, Hova, you know, and speaking about the lack of support that this man has shown for his community. Well, let's bring it real, let's fast forward it to the present. Now we have athletes. We showed you throughout the whole summer on Sinetta TV and on other channels on YouTube that the athletes and the entertainers, those who have multi-million dollar purses, you know what I'm saying, those people, uh, when Brother Polite comes back on the show, he's going to give you a whole list of names of people that he's run into, uh, into contact with in um, L.A. when he's, as he's been out there over the summer. I just saw a picture where he was at the Mayweather uh, training facility. So at this point, we've gone to the attention of individuals who have the, the money, the, the, the uh, disposable income, where they could begin to fund this grassroots movement because it's not even grassroots at this point. The whole damn world is upset. The whole world is going crazy. It's not grassroots. We don't even have to call it that. This is mainstream. This shit is mainstream. It's not underground. The revolution is mainstream. Because they, they they flipping everywhere else but in black America. So the St. Louis thing is nothing. It, this shit is late. It's, they got a late pass for what they're doing over there, uh, burning shit down. It's a late pass because everybody else around the world is turned up. They, they say niggas is like turn up in the club, popping mollies and doing dumb shit. They turning up everywhere else in the seven seas for a purpose. They're dying for a purpose. Certainly. This civil war Certainly. is taking place. So. Because when they when they was wilding in Egypt, you saw that red, black, and green flag, right? Synonymous uh-huh. with the flag that fly over here. They was turning up in Egypt. Then it just moved Libya. It just kept moving through social media. But I look at it like, boom, they put Obama in office. So we'd be like when the wave comes or it was a collective consciousness like, nah, we can't do that to the brother. That's exactly what's happening. That's exactly well, what happened. In the R&B era that you spoke about earlier, affectionately known as the Reagan and Bush era, Negroes was wide awake and very militant and very, very down to do a lot of other stuff that they're definitely not down to do these days. Well, like because the brother said. Huh? It's because of comfort. It's because of comfort and convenience. You see, the black, the black aristocracy... They start talking that shit because the niggas is living well. You understand? Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, the motherfuckers get this shit this, it is twisted in terms of what do you what do you need? Not what you want. What do you need? You need shelter. You need something to eat. You need uh, a companion to necessarily keep you company. These are needs, right? You don't need to be on Instagram. That shit is bullshit. That shit is not real. You don't need to be on Instagram to take a picture to show somebody what you ate for breakfast. Get the fuck out of here. Excuse my language. You understand? That's uh, bullshit. 
Okay? So what happens is we that's just gotten into these conveniences, and so they don't want to give up their conveniences. You dig? You've been driving the car all the time. You don't want to take the train. That's not convenient for you. But is it a need? Nah, probably not. Okay? And so what happens is that cats, they're not going to shake up anything because, like you said, they're in the club popping mollies and popping bottles. That's convenient. That's real easy to do. But what and I no give offense, up, Yeah. No offense to my family in the ATL who hears this because if you, if, if you with that real talk, then you know what I'm about to say. Now. We from the city, we from the town, we from New York, we from BK. So we understand that the conveniences of life is not necessarily handed to us as a community in New York. Right. It's a different mentality. I, I got people that come down from down south. I got people from Texas and other places. They come to New York, and they're like, damn, y'all ride the train everywhere, and, you know, niggas like walking too much and all of this other stuff, and, Damn, you know, y'all don't like going to eat at their restaurants and all of that. I'm like, no, no, we don't need cars in New York. Fuck a car. We got right. the Metro card, and we got a Chevrolet. We Chevy on one leg and lay on the next. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if you really, if you if you get a car, you get one. But if not, it don't stop the movement. I don't care if you got eight kids. There's somebody in New York that's moving eight kids through the transit system and through these streets, and they don't have, they, you know, they're just making it happen. Sure. So because we've been exposed to that, it's almost as if that's our modus operandi. We don't, we, we feel, we, 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 we don't, you know, we feel like there's not too many excuses in life for not doing what it is that you have to do because we don't deal with a lot of convenience. We just handle it the way that we got to handle it, and we survive. Now, I made an observation when I came down south a few years ago that this is one of the most, the Europeans and those social engineers who structured places like Atlanta, because Atlanta was not structured and put together by anybody but the black bourgeoisie, the motherfucking boule, and the, Europe, and the, and the Caucasians who, ran, who basically handed them the keys to the city post-civil rights. Those KKK crackers that was hand, hanging people, a few years ago in Jim Crow South, the ones who got the Confederate flag flying on, flying on Stone Mountain in every black motherfucker's face to let you know who really runs this city. Right. So <laughs> I was like, God damn, I ain't been in a more convenient town in my life. These niggas got Target. They got Walmart. They got football season. They got basketball season. They got the Gentleman's Club. They got Magic. They got Strokers. They got Blue Flames. You know what I'm saying? They got, they got all of the other clubs. They got all the turn-up clubs. They had 112, Um, I'm taking you back. You know what I'm saying? If anybody that knows those clubs back then, all the way up to now with all of the whatever ratchet clubs, Peter Street, you know what I'm saying? So it is so convenient to live a life where you're just waiting for the new Jordans to come out. You're waiting for Monday night celebrity night of magic. Then you go into the next club. Then you go to room service. Then you go to wait for the next movie to come out. Then you go to hang out with your homosexual friends at the mall, uh, Linux, on Saturday and Sunday. Then you go to, you know what I mean? Like, then you go to church on Sunday to forgive yourself for twerking on Friday and selling it on Saturday. And I'm like, yo, they have pacified 
our people, because everybody got guns in a in a in a garage. Everybody has hammers in the crib. Every every damn every house that I've been to, they got they have. And I'm not saying that our brothers and sisters are, are lazy out here because they got a lot of workman tools. Niggas got lawnmowers. You know what I'm saying? They got arsenals. You know what I mean? They got they got you know a lot of disposable income. I haven't been around so much rich Negroes in my life than than I've right. been in Atlanta. Like, everybody right. got something under the mattress. Right. This is Chopper City out here. You know what I'm saying? But because of the convenience of the fact that, and, and going back to what I said, that when we came out here in 1997, brothers, from, brothers coming out of the tunnel era who exported a lifestyle into a city that was coming out of a freaknik era, they wasn't about what they're about right now. That was a right. that's that that's a that's a that was an implant. That that whole way of living, the partying, and, and and you know running around. It was it was it was out here before we got here, but this shit was shaped and molded by people from out of New York. Facts. You could ask anybody, that, and, and they'll attest to that. Sure. And then when other brothers, yeah, when other people from different states started coming in, because remember, Atlanta is the only place where everybody from here is not from here. Right. And it is one of the only places where you're gonna see young black. Uh, entrepreneurs and, and brothers and sisters who don't have parents here. They, their parents don't live here with them. Everybody right. out here is almost on their own because they came out here, they didn't bring their parents with him. Only a few people who most of the homegrown and some people's parents came down here. Like my mother got a house out here and things of that nature. You know what I'm right. saying? But for the majority of people, they don't have no parents to answer. They don't have nobody to answer to but them and Jesus. Right. And Instagram and all of the people on social networks in the, in, the, in the peanut gallery that's out here, whatever circle you belong to in Atlanta. But these, they have pacified our people in the South with Walmart, with Target, with, with, uh, with, with, with Sam's Club, uh, with Restaurant Depot, with all of the places that they can eat, with all of the places, all of these malls that they can shop at, with all of the football and the basketball, all of the sports leagues and things like that. So everybody has assimilated and they're heavily indoctrinated into the system. Now, if you want to... You. Hello? Yeah. Oh, the line dropped. Yeah, he'll be calling back. Yeah. No, he's you right. Know, he the, the convenience, the, the convenience what people will sell you out. Oh, no. Nah. It's amazing. It's you just selling you out for convenience. And the crazy thing about it is, that's what I'm trying to say that we have to divorce ourselves of, is the convenience. You feel me? Like, I'm here in Newark. I'm a Brooklyn dude. You think I can't plant a seed out here to get money? It's easy. But that's but that's convenient. You know, I, I divorced myself for hurting black young black men. I ain't trying to do that no more. I done divorced myself for trying to being out there selling drugs. And not because it's a bad thing. I don't care. I don't have no moral thing about that. But it just isn't productive. You feel me? It's not productive. Right. Um, and so my thing is I'm looking at having, uh, you know, a flossing my land. You understand? Like, yeah, son, I got 25 acres. You don't see my car fields? Yeah, I got a good crop going this year. That's what I want to floss. So that my kids grow up to be like, yeah, 
they got work ethics, and they don't need to, to do the twerk and shake their ass to nobody to make a couple dollars because they'll know that what they need is available to them. Now, we ain't hungry because the pops planted them, them vegetables last, you know what I'm saying, last season, and them shit, they about to be, you know, uh, harvested, and so we're going to eat. We're going to eat well. We dig and, and yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get my clothes and my clothes yeah, they might not have, you know, uh rhinestones on them, but they sturdy and they fit me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. or, or as the brother was talking about, yeah, last Tuesday we had a show my brother Michael Singerson, shout out to him, he came forth with, with the credit repair. Well let me open the red line up. And what he was talking about is him as an industry, you know. Why not get this land ready so when they do legalize hemp, you know what I'm saying? Hemp is something that's a billion-dollar crop. You can make clothes from it. You can make biofuel. You can make a lot of different things that you can build cars from it. So we're talking about possibilities now of taking our genius to a place where we could become industrialists for the rest of the world, not just for a marginalized market where we're just selling to black people in the inner city. You know what I'm saying? But there's a world out there that's waiting to do business with us. You know, you know why you know, are we on these internet if we're not tapping into global commerce? You know what I'm you saying? Know, you so know, is that the black man in in the inner city has been co opted to think so little. So a cat gets on. He gets on, he's a rapper. First thing the nigga does, I got a clothing line. Come on, son. Cut it out. You ain't even go. You ain't even put in the work to go find that kid that went to fashion industries or to FIT to put him on to design clothes. You just gonna be lazy and put your stinking name on a T-shirt and call it fashion, <laughs> and I'm supposed to buy that. Like that shit is so cliche. I mean, like I like at the end of the day, so you only thing that you hear from rappers is, oh, I bought a studio. I'm starting a record label. And I got a clothing line. Like, really? Uh, like, they got a, a rapper starter kit, and nobody's ever broken out of that mold. Like, you Nothing. can only make clothes? It's the only thing that you niggas don't know how to do? Like, you're not telling me, yo, you know what, son? I went to I went to, uh, to Bronx Science and stopped this kid that he got a, uh, you know, he got a, an invention. And I'm putting this money into his, to him getting a lab so son can make this invention pop off. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, they don't say, like, yo, I just got this deal. I got four projects on Kickstarter or Rocket Rocket Hub. These are four different inventions for the Google Glasses and some apps that we're going to yeah. develop. And yeah. when, we, when we succeed in these campaigns, I'm going to be able to hire ten different people for each project. You know, uh, I'm looking for, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to have an assessment test we're looking for people who can basically pass the assessment with flying colors, and we'll choose them from out of there. But at, but but if you come from a certain uh, neighborhood, or if you come from a certain demographics, it, it's the initial supporters. You're going to be them in the front running lottery in the first place. Like we're being sensitive because we do come from an era where the Nicky Barnes and the Al Poles of the world and all of these old school quote unquote drug dealers were known for being also friends of their neighborhood. By, by, I'm saying that by saying that they were the ones who would finance 
the young people to go to college to become scientists and doctors and lawyers. So they were dealing with a level of my eye where they're like, yo, on, on my left hand, I'm destroying my neighborhood. But on my right hand, I'm investing in the future of these neighborhoods and these children's education. You know what, what are we talking about? Ario, Ario produced Denzel's first fucking role, I mean, first play. Ario did that. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's the, the, that's the mentality. Mm. Like, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to put on another gangster or I'm going to put a rap on. He put Denzel Washington on. Like, yo, you know what? These in cats, play, you know, right. you're talking about... In uh, a play that, that garnered artistic, critical acclaim. It just wasn't a ghetto play. You know what I'm saying? No, it was an artistic play. It wasn't was something, yo, I'm going to put on the yeah. end. I'm going to put on something that is, is meaningful for other black people. You know what I'm saying? And, you, got, you know, like God Fisher and them owning the Apollo at a certain time. Like, yo, where, like, yo, don't just tell me you came out with a rap song. Now you're going you're gonna to support, uh, you know, a restaurant hmm. and... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if, if Hustlers was able to take questionable funds, right, <laughs> that they couldn't account for, and they made these major moves in the 70s and the 80s, you feel me? What the fuck are rappers doing? And they have access to diversified businesses based on their audience and the access that they have to these Jews who they, you know, hang with. And I don't want to put right. the opus on them only. I'm just saying, feel me, there's many things that we can do. And I'm not well, talking about a vast majority of the community. You need a few good men, well, a few the good women. The athletes you know? are guilty of that, too. The athletes are not taking their money. They could, you know, run our test going to be a rapper. Well, get, the, get the hell out of here with that. What are you talking about? Put the money in something like a real grocery store. You know, like the one thing I can say about like 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 uh, Jada Kiss and Styles is they be opening up their little juice bars and they got the little you know the eat healthy joints. They thinking a little differently. Uh-huh. The guys just putting their money into another clothing store with somebody's name across it that got garbage clothes. You feel me? That I'm supposed to support because like what are you talking about? Like you got Ti with that corny ass uh, clothing line he had out. That's terrible. What are we talking about? They never came out with apple bottoms. Like, okay, it, it was all right, whatever, but you ain't really serious about it. Like, really, if you're going to do something, do it to death. Go to the school and find a person that does that. Like, your son, you design clothes? Listen, I'm going to put you on. And don't nobody even got to know that I'm putting your, my money into this. You feel me? I'm going to put my money into it, and then I'm going to rock it. Like, I got to give it up to LL Cool J because he was the one that put his sport at football. He was wearing the clothes in this video. He didn't say, yo, I'm, I own part of FUBU, I'm supporting them. He just was like, yo, this is the jump off right here, and let's do it. And so it's like the, the cliche of this, like, so you see the young boys, they're on the train selling candy, right? So one of them sells candy, and then the next one sells candy, and then the next one sells candy. And nobody <laughs> thought, well, you know what, let me step my game up and get some potato chips and maybe something to drink on the, on the train. You feel me? But it's like it, there's no excuse. No, no uses of the mind to expound on something. To be like, yo, he did it. Well, let me make it better. Or oh, let me give you with that, with that right. part that you need. This goes back to right where we started the program, and this is talking about imagination and the importance of 
utilizing, capturing and utilizing one's imagination, right? And even what you're talking about in terms of your craft and a lot of people saying, oh, that's magic. I don't believe in magic. And they don't understand the faculties of the mind and how the mind works. One, I want you to do one thing first, and I want you to do something after that, and then we're going to get into the callers. For the sake of saying there might be people listening that don't know what Paulo is and don't know what the Orisha are, can you just give us a comprehensive explanation in your words as to what these uh, entities and deities are? And second, I want you to explain to people how to utilize the faculties of one mind. You know what I'm saying? How does magic work in the mind? Well, first off, you have to understand that, that the Apollo deities, the Orisha, this is all African magic. This is the way Africans were able to advance themselves and to stimulate their brains to come up with the ideas and the imagination to create inventions like the wheel and, and simple things that have changed the world. Magic is literally it is the reality that you cannot see with your five senses. You cannot smell it. You cannot see it. You cannot touch it. You cannot taste it. You cannot hear it, but it exists. Now, the cell phone that I'm talking on right now, this is magic. This thing is not plugged into any other thing. It is running by itself. I'm talking through a little white box that is, has numbers on it and I'm talking to you, and you're in Atlanta, and where's Blue Pill at? Where you at? In, I'm in California. You're in L.A.? In California, yeah, I'm in L.A. Yes, in L.A. So I'm talking to two people that are nowhere near me, right? And so there's little signals that are coming out this little box that I'm talking in that are, are traveling across the world to talk to, that I could talk to two other people that are not in my presence. That's magic. You can tell me all the technology that you want, but there's nothing technological about this because this thing is not plugged into a, a, a wire that is touching some mechanism that's tapping out signals. None of that's happening. So this is not like electricity or your gas or your water. This is not flowing on a mechanical uh or logic. It's not moving on that. This is moving on something that is talking to something else. So we're talking about magic. Your iPod is magic. Okay? This is why Steve Jobs gets up on stage and then presents it to you so that your mind can conceive that there's a box that you can play games on and read things on and send messages to other people. If he doesn't show you how to do it, you won't know what to do because your mind can't conceive such madness. Okay? So what happens is what they call technology is their form of magic. It is the way that they have figured out how they could talk to somebody someplace else. That's magic. That's telepathy, okay, except that they've put it into a box and they've relegated some type of circuit to do this for them. So what happens is, as Africans, we have magic. How do you think we were able to build the pyramids? There's no reasonable way. There's no machines that, will, that are, have been left behind to figure out how we made these pyramids and how we made them exact. It had to have been some type of magic, something that was beyond what we could see that was in play that did the work for us. So these traditions, Orisha, are the 
or the personification of of the technology of African technology. So Yemaya talks about water and how water, the properties of water, and how water behaves, and and the the, the the nature of water. So that water has the properties that if you leave a glass of water under your bed, your dreams will come out better because the water in your body will will actually communicate with the water in the glass and it will help hold some of the thoughts which are not containable into a, a, a tangible or um, edifice. Okay? So, the white man has magic. He didn't just show up into Africa and, and say some words, uh, I, mean, I mean, pull out his gun and niggas were scared and they just got on the, on the ship. No, he used magic. Okay? Um, and so magic refers to that which is not seen. That, so even if it's a magic trick where you see David Blaine and it's a sleight of the hand, it's still magic because you didn't see how he did it. So now, when it comes to Africans, we have a magic. But unfortunately, the white man has tricked you into believing does not exist. Or if you do believe in it, you believe that it's um, ulterior to God. Okay, because he somehow co-opted God in your eyes, and he tells you that if you don't do his magic, you're doing the devil's magic, right, which is all nonsense. So what happens is that we have magic, but it's been it's been uh, shoved down our throat, the, the idea that this magic that we have available to us is somehow evil. So as a collective of of the ethnic group of what we call black Americans or Africans out in the diaspora, we need to necessarily take a hold and confiscate and champion our magic. And our magic consists of how we eat. So in Palo and in, in the Risha traditions, we have blood sacrifice. Well, guess what? Blood sacrifice is necessary because that Purdue chicken that you eat from, from Kentucky Fried Chicken, that bird had to die. And the blood had to go somewhere. And they didn't just magically, you know what I'm saying, say open sesame and then the bird laid down and died. And so we have to take away all of the, the, the hoopla about the lifestyle of living organically because now white people have necessarily co-opted that. So they're going to sell you free-range chicken. So how did that chicken be free-range? They let it walk around. But at some point they hit that chicken over the head and cut his throat and let him out, and now you got this free-range chicken. So... We have to really put into perspective um, what it is to actually live as a human being because the way we live in these cities, they have taken away, they have desensitized us from how to actually live so that you get your food prepackaged and so you have no connection to your food. You don't know that your food actually walked around and lived, okay, that your food used to go to sleep. It's different when you see a chicken in in on the farm, and the chicken actually goes to sleep, and he wakes up. That makes you think, whether or not, does the chicken dream? Does the chicken have feelings? Sure he does. And when you take his life, you take his life, and you actually acquire all of his aspirations, all of his feelings, and you take that on. And so if your chicken was in a, in a factory, in a square, caged up, and you ate him, all of the things that he was going through, Guess what? You go through it too now, and you're in a box, in a little apartment, caged up, waiting to be slaughtered, okay? And so you end up acting just like that chicken because you don't know how your food was processed, okay? And so the, the Apollo and, and the Arisha traditions, 
offer the black man a way to get back to himself, to get back to see how everything works, okay? Because this cell phone, this shit is not real. It's only real because I believe in it. Because if I thought that I was talking and y'all wasn't hearing me, then I would just cut the phone off and be like, oh, they can't hear me. But I believe that, you know what, I'm talking to Red and Blue Pill, and they're in California and in Atlanta, and so we're going to have a conversation over the Internet. I believe that, and so it is, okay? But we have the same kind of magic, but we have to necessarily confiscate it back from them, and we have to necessarily champion it so that we understand how it works and understand what is truly valuable to us. What is necessary in this lifetime? What's necessary is the ability to live forever. How do you do that? You make children. And that's why Africans name their children after each other. The white people started that after they came in contact with the Moors. Because before that, they didn't name their children who was the third or the fourth and all of that. They got that from the Moors. Because that says that if I have children and I name them a certain name, and then I die, and they have children, and they name their children after me, and I get to come back into this existence, and I get to live forever, okay? Um, and yeah. these are things that we have to come to acceptance. You can believe all you want in J- Michael Jordan's and loving hip-hop and iPad and iPhone and all of that, but that ain't going to help you live forever, Okay? Because the moment you, you die, your Facebook page, don't nobody go check it no more. They have a little memorial page for about a year, and then people start checking for it, and then you go into a book. Okay? That ain't going to help you live forever. Be clear about that. Um, the money that you put into Manolo Blahnik or Gucci for the red bottoms or Louis Vuitton for the red bottoms, that shit don't make you live forever. Because after you spend that money and you wear them shoes, the people that made them shoes do not care about your ass, okay? And so the ultimate goal of any of this is to live forever. Remember, the people in Kemet, they live forever. They got that goal. They cast themselves in gold, and we're still talking about them 3,500 years later, okay? They live forever. Like that. People get on this plane and go all the way to Egypt to go look at them people. It's a do immerse themselves in their reality. Their reality was 3,500 years ago, and we still necessarily talk about it. So the, the object and the goal is to live forever. And how do you live forever? By leaving things of substance, leaving artwork, leaving literature, leaving uh, just art, any kind of art, music, whatever. That's how you live forever. And so we understand that the white man, he plays this magic game every day because you live on Washington Street and you walk down Fulton Street and you come down Monroe Street and you come down Madison Street and you go down Jefferson Street. And these are all names of people who every time I say their name, they live forever. Okay? And so as Africans, we have to understand that. We have to, you know, take that into consideration. What is this all for? It is for the continuation of life, for the circle of life, so that you get to come back. So if you get to come back, that means that you have to establish something in this reality so that when you leave and you come back, it's a little bit better for you, okay? So we've forgotten that our children 
people make children now so they could be a football player so they could get a good house. No, you make children so that they you, you educate them to be good people so that they when they have you you could get to come back and they establish another uh, a better lifestyle for you. Okay, a better community. Um, and so it's real important that people. You know, you don't, I'm not saying this religion, these traditions are for everybody, but in short, this is the true religion of the black man. And I can't say nothing any more truer than that. This is how your ancestors lived, okay? Your ancestors, before they were brought here on a ship, they came from some part of Central or West Africa, and this is the way that they lived. And so you're even here because of the work that they put in uh, ethereally so that you could be here today. And so now it's up to you to now go back and confiscate and grasp hold on those traditions so that those people that set this this, this reality for you here, so that they get to come back to a better reality. Okay? Um, and so it's really important for us to understand that the white man uses magic on you every day. Every day he's using his magic on you. His technology, the names of the the construction of his city, because ain't none of them streets, they didn't just name them streets uh, Blue Ivy, like Jay-Z named his daughter like an idiot, Blue Ivy. What does that mean? That means nothing. That has no bearing. He gave his daughter a name that does not profess who she is or what she will be or what she came to do. Okay. Oh, he didn't give her his daughter his mother's name so his mother could live on for another hundred years. No, he didn't do that. He gave her some stupid name. The white man don't name his streets after stupid names. He don't name his street Blue Ivy Street. He names his name the streets after people who he felt are influential and need to be revered and venerated for the rest of their days. Okay? So that we walk, like I said, on Fulton Street, Washington Avenue, Monroe Street. Myrtle Avenue. These are all names of white men that had some type of uh, impact on on white society that they decided they was going to name these streets after these men. Okay? That's magic right there. Because every time I say them old white men's names, I lift those old white men men up. They don't don't die into oblivion. Okay? And so we have to really, really, really uh, examine how this magic is being used against us. Because what is magic? We talk about magic as a spell, and a spell has been put over our people, a spell to believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, a spell to believe that their hair is not should be long like the white woman when that's not what kind of uh, species you are, a spell to believe that we, should, we shouldn't trust each other so that we should kill each other and shoot each other down in the street for a, a five-hour piece of crack, a spell to have us necessarily thinking that the white men is our friends so that we got black men marrying white women and letting their money go to those white women or now black women now uh, uh, wanting to be with white men. This is, this is magic they put on you because that's a spell. Because you can't possibly tell me that any of that behavior is natural, okay? It's not natural for us to necessarily aspire to be like white people. We are nothing like them. So that's like a Doberman pincher. Wanting to be like a poodle. Those men tend to don't do what poodles do. Yes, he's built for a specific purpose. The way he's built, how he's built, what how 
how his body, his lifespan, everything is made for him to do to carry out a specific duty, right? And so for us to try to be like a poodle, we 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 we're wasting our time. You feel me? Because we ain't never gonna have a curly uh, a curly coat and be be able to get trimmed. That's not how the Doberman look. And so we have to acknowledge that there are other forces besides Jesus Christ or Allah, these these absentee landlords that we have invested in. You you worried about what Allah is gonna say, but he don't do nothing for you on a day to day basis. You feel me? The one thing I can say about my deities is that I interact with them. I go and I get a divination and they tell me something. Then I go to a drumming and at the drumming somebody gets possessed and they don't know me from a hole in the wall and they're going to tell me about things that only me and God do. That is evidence that my God is real and interacts with me. I don't have to go see him on Sunday and have some other man tell me how I shouldn't steal. Meanwhile, he's stealing the money out the plate. You understand? Like, these are hypocrisies that we we fall for because we're under a spell. We, we, we don't want to acknowledge that somebody put us under a spell. You dig? And so it's important for us to first acknowledge the elephant in the room. Once you acknowledge the elephant in the room, then you can acknowledge the fact that that elephant is shitting, and you need to get the hell out that room. You dig? And so we, we, we've been put under a spell by this magic to have us be passive, have us be, you know, waiting for Jesus to come back, waiting for Allah to, you know, to judge us so we can get our 99 virgins and, and paradise. That's just bullshit. I ain't with that pie in the sky shit. The pie in the sky comes down and it's in my children. And if my children are good and I get to come back and they make more children and then I come back again and bring them back and it's a constant cycle, okay? Oh. And so that's why the white man hates us, because he can't produce anymore. Because all his efforts, he can't bring another generation into to enjoy the, the spoils of his war. Okay? So this, this is the time, 2014, man. Black people better look around. Jesus ain't doing a damn thing for you. Or real talk. Hello? Hey, you out here? Nah, I mean, I'm just, you know, that's just, indigenous tradition is the true religion of the black man, okay? It's the true religion of the black man. You can look at, I mean, we we can go over these things over and over again. John Henry Clark, Dr. Ben, Dr. Jeffrey Dale, and all told you about the three major religions and how those religions uh, refer to you, and they don't. These are political ideologies that are used to keep you paying your taxes and be staying in line. That is not our tradition. That is not how we perceive God. We perceive God in the tree outside in front of us. But we pray to it that it don't get struck by lightning and fall on our house. But we pray for it to produce fruit so that when we're hungry, we can go out there and pick fruit from the tree. And we, we pray for it to produce shade so that when the sun is too hot, we have something to necessarily keep us cool. You dig? This is the, the God that I know. I don't know. And I literally, like I said, I, I haven't worked it. I have not worked. And this is real rap. This is fact, as the young boys say. I have not worked a nine-to-five job in more than ten years. Okay? 
And I do not rob people. Then nobody came to my house and knocked on my door, and I brought them in for a reason, and I charged them $100, and when they came in, their issue wasn't taken care of, and I sent them on their way. I don't live like that. And so my deities make sure that I eat every day to make sure I got a roof over my head, and they make sure that I have enough to get to the next person to help that person. Okay? That's the God that I know. I don't look for Jesus, I don't look for Allah, and I don't look for Jehovah. I'm looking for deities that interact with me, that tell me what my next move is, that tell me how to fix my personality, that tell me, to give me a heads up if a child is coming or if a child is leaving. They give me that heads up. And so it is uh, unfortunate that the average black man and black woman do not have a uh, a reference to any of this that I, of which I talk about. And that's a part of the spell of the white man's magic. He put a spell on you. He got you looking around and you can't see you can't see the forest the trees from the forest. And so literally mm-hmm. we, we, we 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 there's no way in the world as a as an ethnic group that we will necessarily prosper if we do not fall under the umbrella of the same God. That is a fact. The Jew is the Jew because the Jew got together and decided that the 12 tribes was going to come together and they was going to all believe in this one God. And so they had many gods before that, but they agreed on Jehovah as their God. And that was how they were able to unify themselves and be a priest. Okay? The Arab is... is it has a collectiveness because he is all believe, all of them believe in Allah. And he might have different conversations about what Allah says about women and this and that, but they all believe in Allah. The Chinese comes here, you know, why? He's able to necessarily stay together because he all they all believe in Buddha. They all believe in Quan Li and, and the concept of the of, of, of the lotus flower and all of these things. They they believe that. And so they have a common belief, and so they have a common morality, and so they will necessarily fight for each other because they all believe that they're going in the same place. We have a problem because we got the brothers over here talking about they Muslim, and how I should necessarily put some red dye in my beard to be like an Arab. Nah, son, that's not really what it's about. Then you got the other ones over here talking about I should give half my tithing to Jesus and love Jesus and be like Jesus. So I should necessarily wait to be crucified on a cross and have somebody stick some nails in my hands and put a crown of thorns in my head. That ain't it. Okay? And then they got the brothers down there and they talking about, oh, they're going to be Israelites. None of that stuff came with you as an African on that boat. None of it. Let's be clear. You check the African burial grounds, there wasn't nobody carrying no Bibles. There wasn't nobody carrying no goddamn Star David. Africans brought what they they brought their their deities with them, okay? But that was what we was doing before. And if you believe that the three major religions are somehow we lost faith in all of them, you're sadly mistaken. Because if that's the case, then that means you're doomed. Because that means you are already a savage, and you will continue to be a savage. My deities. Tell me that on the day that I get initiated, I get to be the king. I am the king that day. And the people will come and they will serve food to me and they will dress me up as the king and they will come and, and they will 
bring gifts, and they will treat me as a king, and they will tell me my self-worth, okay? No other tradition offers that. And when you want to talk about religion, my religion is the only one that honors the mother. It says mother is God first, okay? Because all the other traditions tell you about father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. What happened to the woman? My tradition tells me that there was a woman who gave birth to me, and that's why I made my indictment of what I did about the black woman, because she is God. And so if you ain't shit, then your children ain't going to be shit. You get And so we have to necessarily get our women to understand. That's what the whole, when the nation of Islam be talking about is the, is the woman, absolutely it's the woman. And so she needs to necessarily, she's only she can, can groom soldiers. Because in every other society, it is the woman that puts the, the reef around her husband's neck and tells him to go to war for the for the family. Okay, but the black woman is the one that tells the young black man that he's supposed to respect this cracker pig that's going to stick a, a nice stick up his ass. She tells him that, and so you have to find a tradition that honors mother and makes her deal with being a mother. Okay, what does that mean? That means that as a mother. You have to understand that there's a point at some time when you have to allow your son to be a man. And you got to tell him, all right, son, I think you got to pick up your sword and go fight for what you believe. You did? And that's what the black woman has not been able to do because of that Willie Lynch syndrome. She's the one telling you to, be, to turn the other cheek and let, and let the white man do this to you. And so these are the traditions of the black man. This is why the black magic is very important, Okay. Don't believe the serpent and the rainbow. We're talking about voodoo and all of that nonsense that black people have bought into because that is what's keeping you down. That's what keeps you uh, spending your money on Steve Harvey suits to go to the to the mega church to see Creflo Dollar. You did? That's what necessarily keeps mm-hmm. the sisters buying weave so they can show up at the mega church. You get what I'm saying? And, and this is a problem. And so until we as a black, as a people, come under the umbrella of one consciousness of God, because we can't, how are we going to be a people and everybody thinks that they're going someplace different? How that going to work? How does that work when, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm Muslim, and so I don't believe in the same God as you. So when we, so when we're in the trenches and you die, how am I going to pray for you? Because you don't even believe that you're going the same place I'm going. That's a problem. And no other ethnic group, no other ethnic group has that issue. White people might have it, but let's not get it twisted. White people are separated, and we look at white people as a whole. Oh, white people. No, there's Protestants, there's Presbyterians, there's Catholics, there's ESC, there's Roman Catholics, there's Jews. White people are real clear about the lines of who they are. You dig? And so we need to be clear about who we are. And so it takes us to understand that this is the way that we, there are rituals that we perform. When our children are born, we lift them up to the sun so that the sun can give them the life force, that that vitamin D, so that they can get that energy from the sun and and be well and not not have ailments in their their, um, immune system. You dig what I'm saying? These are things that Africans do. We have all of the drugs that they sell you on the television today. Is a herb. They got those drugs from a herb that somebody in the bush knows when you should eat that so you can get rid of whatever symptoms that you have so you can heal yourself. 
mistake, but we'll we'll buy it from a white man because the white man will never tell no lies. They he'll tell us no lies. He always gonna tell us the truth. And so a lot of the problem is that we have black people who they could wear the afro and they could wear the kente cloth and talk over that, but there's really a white man, a little white man in their head telling them what to do. You dig? And so they go, you know, they they're too smart to kill chickens. Oh no, we don't need to kill chickens. We we don't, we we passed that. But you think the white man ain't killing chickens? No, the white man in advance to killing little kids. All them kids that you find out that's missing all over the country, where them kids go? We have a system that has facial recognition. Where the hell do them kids go? Please tell me that, y'all. They got a system that can recognize your face and figure out who you are. But there's millions of kids missing all across the country. Where do yeah. kids go? If they, they just I, went to another city and started and got a new name and a new social security, you know how hard it is to do that shit? Where them children went? No, them children they are, had, they are victims of, of, of rituals that white men perform. And they That's had the video on, yeah, they had the video with the Jew who was on a, on a conservative radio with the, uh, with the, uh, the uh, white, I think it's like a white neo-Nazi, he was talking about the rituals that they were performing in the base in the basements of the synagogue, the Passover rituals where they're taking these children that they're kidnapping and draining them, you know, ritualizing them, sacrificing them, draining their blood. And he says we just take them to our slaughterhouses and grind them up and feed them to you and the chicken and the, uh, the sausages and the burgers. Henceforth, huh? McDonald's, the rituals, yes, that is online, that is on the um, Internet. And henceforth, the discovery of human uh, meat inside of McDonald's. That's why Russia banned it. Absolutely. That's why other nationalities were banning um, the sale of meat from America, certain meat products in their country because it has human uh, remains and stuff like that inside of the meat. So the, the Jew was like, yeah, we got grindhouses. We, we, we grind them children up. You'll never know who they are. This is my point. This is my point. And people, people get numb to this conversation. So, what, so just saying that, you know, there have been kids missing since before I was born. Okay? Yeah. And that happened in the, in, the, in the late 60s and early 70s is when they re, it started really becoming an epidemic with children that just being lost. And like I said, oh, yep. you don't show up. Oh, it, it stepped up. Yeah, it stepped up. Last year, I think they said they was missing, like, a horrendous number. I don't want a quarter to be wrong, family, but it was either like sixty thousand or two hundred thousand. Any which way that number is outlandish, and these are grown ass children, or, or should I say, mid age adults, not babies. You know, right? And I want to send a condolence. I want to send a condolence to the family of my brother Clico. Um, Indeed, I haven't spoken to him. In, in full details, so I don't want to share all of the information and be incorrect, but um, I believe one of his family members, I believe a cousin of his or a niece of his, may have lost a life. And she was also uh, considered missing. This was uh, this weekend yeah. and whatnot. So this shit is real. This, ain't, this, this yeah. is not, you know what I mean? Like this is reality. This is what's going on. And um, I'm in Atlanta, and it brings it brings to memory about the Atlanta child murders, the rituals that were taking place 
in in this part of town in the eighties with uh with um I would call I, I I'm saying that it was the white supremacists. I was I'm saying that it was like we're saying that the numbers jumped up post integration. I'm saying mm-hmm. that you know what I mean. I'm saying it was those rednecks that were still in Atlanta in the Georgia area who were doing rituals in Stone Mountain and other places mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they and they framed mm-hmm. the brother for the for the murders. I saw. I read the book. I read the book and I saw some of the specials that they had on TV. He ain't do all of that. I I, I know somebody down there that escaped from it. It was right on Moreland Avenue, right in the parking lot behind where our people stayed. And, yep. you know, my homie said that he escaped it. They grabbed his cousin, and they missed him. You know, they tried to get him, and he booked on them. But that's real. You know what I'm saying? He was like, they were snatching him up. You ain't seen him no more. Then they, 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 they threw it on homie as a scapegoat. But these things take place. It definitely happened. You know, we need a level of protection. That's what I'm saying. That You know, can you give your information out? Their family to want to get into this level of protection, want to get into this magic, you know what I'm saying? As well as I know that there are other uh, things that people be talking about, like, you know, how the Haitians be getting their uh, they bulletproof packs together and what have you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We knew our brother Babyface, he implemented some form of magic where the police couldn't see him. He was invisible. These are the tools that we need in these particular times of war when they're creating super soldiers. When are we going to take well, this, this technology, this ancient African technology, and utilize it to create our own super soldiers? You know what I'm saying? So we could do well, marvelous things and, and put courage back in the hearts of the people when they see us dealing with these people, you know what I'm saying, who they think are invincible. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process right now of, of, of putting this book together. I literally am on, like, the second draft. Um, and the book is about spiritualism, Okay. And spiritualism is the, the median foundation that gives one reference to all of the other indigenous uh, philosophies, okay? And the spiritualism is important because it'll, it allows you to see from a present-day experience where, how spirit is relative and how it interacts with you. Okay, um, and so I'm trying to I'm putting that together because spiritualism is the first thing that if you don't know anything about any of these things, immerse yourself in spiritualism first because spiritualism is not based on initiate initiation right. It's based on uh, understanding and exercise and dealing with certain elements such as water, fire. Um, Incense um, and prayer and sound, and so dealing with that first gets one and opens your eyes so that you may able to actually have a good spiritual sight, so that you'll be able to necessarily pick out the, the charlatan from the real shaman. Okay, because I don't want to send people because understand that there are people who take advantage, like anything. They see people have a need, and they will take advantage of that need. And so without the spiritualism, you won't have a discernment about yourself in order to actually find the person that will help lead you to the path to finding how one can live in accordance with his ancestors. You dig? Um, and so it's important. I'm trying to put this book out because 
literally, like, there's people that email me and stuff like that, and they, don't, and they have to really understand and, and deal and cope with the fact that I'm not a novelty. I don't get on the phone and do readings. I'm not Miss Cleo. I really take this shit very seriously. This was handed down to me from generations. My grandmother's a priest, my mother's a priest, my uncles and my aunt. My uncle spent his time to, to actually cultivate me to be that the way that I am today. And so I'm not a novelty. This is not some, uh, I'm not that dude that gets on the, uh, the Oprah show or whatever shows and starts talking and pulling people out. This is not that kind of novelty. And so what happens is I can't facilitate for everyone because as of right now, I don't have the faculties to do that. But if I was able to necessarily be on a farm like I would like to be and have a retreat center where people could come and have a, and stay for a retreat and get the conversation and, and really groom people, then it would be a different thing. I don't have those facilities as of right now. So the only other way for me to reach people is for me to put this book together. And because I'm so adamant about it, I'm taking my time. I'm not just slapping it together so that I can make a couple of hours. You understand what I'm saying? Um, I take this thing very seriously because as far as I understand, this is the only feasible uh, medication that we as a people, that I can offer to people you know, as an ethnic group. Um and so I don't have it because I can't, you know, people be calling me from different places and they're far off. And I'm like, I feel for you, but I can't. It would be it would be uh, counterproductive for me to tell you to pay for a plane ticket for me to come out there for me to give you a $20 reading. Like, that's just stupid. You understand? Um, then I don't do readings over the phone because I'm not that. You know, people be like, oh, well, I'll send you the money, but that's not. I need to look in your eyes. I need to feel your aura so that I can give you the best conversation that you can get to help you navigate through some of the things, the obstacles in your life, okay? Um, and it's not because these traditions have not been uh, pervasive in the United States, but they've only been here for 60 years, there isn't a real uh, organized feed that I can say, oh, we'll go over here and these people are going to take care of you because we don't even have churches. You understand? Um so it's very, very, very uh, unfortunate, but people, the people are going to have to work with me because I'm not, like I said, I'm not, this is not a traveling circus. Jay? Right. Hello? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm here, brother. That's just my, you know, yeah. that's what I can offer that's as of right now. Right. These people that email me right now and I don't, I don't get to them because, I can't do anything for you. I can't facilitate anything for you because you want me to come and give you a reading over the phone. I'm not fitting to do that because I'm not that. I'm not a Miss Cleo kind of dude. I'm not going to take your money and just tell you any old thing. And then you understand, like that's not what I do. Um, and it, it becomes even more severe because, like I said last weekend, I literally initiated my first priest. Well, I actually initiated a priest which is a very big deal. Some people, they do it on a regular. For me, it's a very big deal. And so um, I take this thing very seriously because I'm, I have somebody's life in my hands or I have the person's the crossroads in their life in my hands that they, they can now just decide to make a decision in which direction that they want to go. Right. You know what I mean? 
So is there any information of yours that you would like to share if the listeners want to get in contact with you or come and see you? Um, as of right now, um, like I'm literally, I'm literally in a space where I can't really facilitate for people the, um, the way I would like to. Um, because like I said, I don't have the fact the facilities. I'm literally a preacher with no church. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I'm trying to make it, um, without taking advantage of anyone, I'm trying to make it so that I can okay. put something together so that the people will have a place to come. Okay. Um, so they just got to be real patient with me right now as I put this book together. So when I put this book together, it will be for the person that is transplanted someplace far so that they will be able to establish a, a, a ritual exercise for themselves to, to actually exercise their spirituality, right? Right. Um, and that's what I feel is more important. Um, like I come right. and chop it up with y'all because I know that this is a, 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 a solid venue, I know that y'all not, like, when I'm not listening to y'all, I know y'all ain't sitting there talking about, oh, you know, there's some people that are in the conscious community that are just there as an advocate, a devil's advocate all the time, right? And so they might have you come talk about the spirituality, but they don't really believe in it. And when you leave, they're going to have, you know, um, ulterior things to say about it. I'm not into that. I'm not into the debates. I'm not. You're not going to see me debating Israelites, and you're not going to see me debating Muslims. I'm not into that. I'm doing what I'm doing, which is I'm doing the work. Period. Maybe I do the work on a on a on a very intimate level, one person at a time. Um, because I'm not trying to water it down. I'm going to give, you know, affect each person as I affect them. Um. And, you know, it's, and then there's other things, you know, like the, the sisters, you know, they they become with ulterior motives. They want to, you know, they come and they show and they got their little, you know, they got the bazaar boosted up and they were like, yeah, I'm looking for the conscious brother and I ain't with all of that. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, look, man, I'm trying to, I got a mission that I am very clear about, okay? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't affect the, the, the overall group, I'll deal with one person at a time. You know what I'm That's my highway to heaven. Um, and so, literally, like I said, I'm I'm in the midst of trying to put this book together. I'm going over it more than once so that the information that I give you is irrefutable. It won't. You don't have to look it up. You don't gotta Google it. It will be stuff that resonates with people, stuff that they will be able to actually see evidence of in their lives. Okay, um, because unfortunately, these traditions are ravaged with a bunch of you know snakes, and, um, oil salesmen. But they're gonna come through and try to sell you all this. I give me this money, and I'm gonna make all your problems go away. That's not what this is about. This is not a. This is a very. This is a very intimate, self-evaluation type of philosophy. I'm gonna show you what you're made of. And this is what the deities say about you and how you can see your know, defiling in your ways and how you can correct them. And everything ain't for everybody. So it's not like one person I'm going to be like, oh, you need to stop selling drugs. 
It might be somebody that the best they they wear the lifestyle, and that works for them. And and I can't necessarily deny them their destiny. I have to tell them the best way to to, to go about their destiny. And so it becomes very um, intricate of how you deal with this because this is not a broad stroke philosophy. It is specific to the individual. Okay? So... Right. Hold on one second, brother. Family, if you want to continue with us, you got to call in 347-637-2135, 347-637-2135. All right, family, if you want to continue with us past the live stream, three minutes remaining, you need to call in now. Please continue. Well, you can take some of the calls. I know the people got something to ask or say or they're not, I wasn't clear on something. You know what I mean? Um, right. I want to keep rambling on. Oh, I want to hear what the people, what the feedback is. You feel me? Okay. All right, let's go to the phone lines. All right, I want to go to the first caller. Caller from the three four seven three nine three three four seven three nine three. Caller, peace. Peace. This peace, is Brother Todd. I was I was definitely uh I was definitely listening in peace to the uh the host. I definitely uh caught a couple of jewels. I was appreciating information I, I definitely wasn't familiar with and I I'm interested in getting that book when um when the brother is finished with it. I'll be interested in reading it. Uh what I can reiterate from what was being spoken about from earlier was about um the computers and the attachments and how um, it desensitizes people and it makes us emotionless. And when y'all were talking about uh, Facebook and, uh, you know, the destruction of the the babies and and uh, part of what I see from, you know, all these attachments is is you being dehumanized and you not having no emotional feelings anymore. And it's like actually making people like they're not even human anymore. So I find that very interesting, and which I was speaking on was right on the money. Peace, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. appreciate that. And that's a real observation right there because they are turning into androids. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can see somebody walking down the street, and they'd be paying attention to their phone like, uh, like, like it's an attachment of their body. Like mm-hmm. connected to him in another way. Very interesting. They used to have a show called Sliders, and in this particular show, they used to show alternative realities, alternative universes, like things yeah. that could possibly happen. And then one yeah. of the shows, they had them in a, a virtual world. They used to walk around with a virtual world over their eyes. It was like everybody was on a, a drug, and the virtual world was um the uh, the thing they would put over their eyes. It was with a helmet on it. And very interesting, it's the same thing without the helmet. You know, you see people walking around, and they're totally wow. detached and unaware. I remember that, so. <clears throat> right. And, uh, you know, I study internal martial arts, and one of the main ways that power is utilized is by your awareness and your focus. What you put your awareness on, you give power to. So you're not only just detached from yourself, you're also giving power to something. And I want the audience to be very aware of that. You're giving power to something when you separate from yourself. Yeah. 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 
Definitely interested in getting that book, and you know, maybe you know, we get to know, we have to sit down and all that because uh, uh, that we definitely could do some building. Yeah, yeah. When I get to the town, I'm gonna definitely link it up where you brothers can meet because oh, by this brother has a wonderful system dealing with internal martial arts, dealing with cultivating the breathing, and I know that uh, as a priest, you know, what I'm saying you can definitely maximize your work uh, with with the increase in intention and, and focus by way of breath you know, building of the will, strengthening that mind to make your communication even that much more stronger, you know, and just yeah. even yeah. just bringing the I family mean, together that, that understands the importance of getting back to nature, you know, so we can practice these arts. Some of what I do is what you say, and it's almost like I naturally do it. Like there's a particular exercise that I was taught where you train when you build up energy from the tree. Like, I actually boxed the tree as if it was a, a punching bag, but the way I hit it and I pressed the tree, uh, you know, I hit it with, a, with an open palm. But you'll become just as strong as a tree. And um, mm-hmm. I've heard people say, oh, you know, uh, he's walking with spirits. The tree spirits are with him. And um, I feel that we, when you tap into nature and things like that, you have a lot more with you than what you can see with your eye. That's definitely true. That's very interesting, you know. I mean, the fact is that, you know, the, the, when you're dealing with the natural, the natural is reciprocal. And all of this technological stuff is not reciprocal because it's plastic. It does not have a soul. And so the, it has nothing to give back to that you give it. Okay? So the person that's steadily in their Instagram or they, on, their, on their iPhone or on, on Facebook or on their iPhone and they're constantly looking at it, they're, like you said, they're giving that, en- that this, this edifice energy, but they're not receiving anything back from them. And so it's literally draining, it's sucking them. So it is their plug. It's the plug that they put in the back of your head in the matrix. Matrix. Why you giving up your dreams and all of that? You dig? Absolutely. And so it's important that, so that you understand that what you're doing it's a form of power because power is about the trees. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta play devil's advocate again. Now, if we're talking about the European created this module as a form of magic, and we do understand that there's technically nothing there, you're, you're, you're scrying in pure darkness, pure blackness. You know what I'm saying? And if dudes are mentally shooting mental, ver- uh, uh, mental um, you know, darts and what have you towards shorties and shorties are catching the spirit and they inboxing and calling and making physical connections and things of that nature. Do you don't think that the Internet or cyberspace is not a place where magic can take place as well? Because a lot of what, a lot of what I see, you know, are officials in disguise of, of companies' names, and things and it taps a lot of energy and like the brother said, the energy's going somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I've done things on the internet that have materialized immediately because I'm utilizing the internet and I'm looking at it as a black surface. Just like somebody might talk about, you know, talking directly into water and using that as a medium. What about that carbon in that cyberspace? Well see the thing is 
the incident, well, let's just let's start over the fact that, you know, we also, you know, also conscious black power shit. Black men invented the internet. So that it's our paradigm. Yes. But the way that the, 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 the way that the, uh, the rivers are, are aimed at this one ocean. And so there, when I say that there's nothing reciprocal, meaning that you're spending this energy that's going into this phone and you're putting this, this, this attention on it, and on the other end somebody else is receiving it and they're not giving you anything. There's nothing that really, like when you look at Instagram and you look at pictures, okay, it's nice, but what does it do? It doesn't stimulate you. You feel me? So it becomes to the point where you start scrolling through the pictures and you're only looking for something that's going to shock and awe you, okay? Because it doesn't have anything that, it doesn't feed, it doesn't stimulate your mind. It's not like you get off of Instagram and you're like, you know what, let me draw, let me paint something real quick. No, it, it literally is taking from you all the time. And so when dealing with, so like the brother's talking about, he necessarily boxes with the tree. The tree is still giving him energy. When he's, when he's going at the tree, when he puts his palm on it, he, the tree is resonating through him. And so he gets something. We connect with the tree. Right. He connects with the tree. The tree is communicating to him. The tree is cleaning him. Okay? This box right here, it does not do that. It just sucks, 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 sucks. Okay? It takes you to that. You feel, at the end of the day, you feel exhausted. Like, everybody be like, go turn up, turn up. They go to the club and they turn up. And then they get all drunk and they all high to be beat up so that they can get up in the morning to go to work. But they don't even, it's not even like the turn up was like you cut a rug and you felt good and like that shit powers you up to go back to the plantation. No, you leave the fucking club more exhausted than you did when you went in it. See? That's a bad look. You're supposed to go and party and get charged up to be able to fight the next day. Like, oh, yeah, man, I went to the club out of all last night. I'm, I'm good. Same way, same with sex. Even though you're expelling something, you're still supposed to feel good. You're supposed to have a pep in your step after you knock a shorty down. You're not supposed to feel like, yeah, I feel like I just you know, got the energy sucked out of me. No, that's a bad thing. That means you're dealing with a vampire, okay? Because it's supposed to be reciprocal. And so this technological uh, age or these edifices, these are not, they're just parasites. They're not. Uh, they're not a fluid, you know what I mean, exchange. If you look at the show uh, Star Trek, and they have the uh, the cyborg, the half human, the dehumanized human, you know, yeah, uh, all of them have no emotions, and see, and that's really when they split you enough, and you become divided enough, you become emotionless. You see, you split in so many compartments. We have so many shows. We have so many different uh, attachments. And then they keep it coming. They keep your awareness jumping from this to this. And they keep you in a uh, kind of the state or they have children in that state a lot. Constantly mm-hmm. jumping from this to this, that to that. This toy, that toy. Can never really sit still. Fidgety mind. It's called the monkey mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a true story. That's the, the monkey mind, the haunted mind. And when you jumping from these states to state, you're never really keeping your focus 
and you and you divide it and split in so many ways, your power is split in so many ways because we all have natural power. So they're splitting our power up. And, you know, and I think it has something to do with, you know, whatever kind of intent that they're using on their magic by splitting the power up so well. And black people have a specific kind of melanin, a specific kind of energy, and they, they know about us. They study us, so, and they're utilizing that against us. This is what I'm witnessing university, just what I could see. Like, within my own, I could see certain things how it's manifested just from myself. So I recognize that that's what's going on. Facts. You, you know when I when I do finish the book, you know, I'm I'm definitely you, you know y'all gonna get the, the exclusive. I'm gonna come and holler at y'all first before I necessarily no doubt. release it. You know I mean? um, that happens. Yeah. And um, really appreciate it. No, I, def- I mean like you know like y'all are y'all the only platform that's, that's speaking for a generation of intellectuals of autocratic intellectuals, people that didn't have to go and spend their money at the university. And I'm, and that's no point to anybody that did. You understand? That's, that's, you know, yo, real talk, I'm I'm going to drop a jewel on you real quick. You're in the 90s, right? Now, you realize that college at this point is a hustle, right? It's a way for them to get money from out of black people. You understand that, right? Right. So when did they start? Um, promoting this in the 90s movies. I was watching Boys in the Hood the other day. And so they'd be like, they, all the, hey, you got to get an education. Get an education. They're taking the FOTs and they, no, 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 no. Everybody's all smart and taking the tests and all of that. Because they were selling this idea of getting these these, these degrees that black people can't use. But now, I know a bunch of women that got PhDs that don't make more than $50,000 a year. Okay. They spent two hundred grand on school fees, okay. And so they were they were literally selling this to us in the nineties. Yeah, go to school. So if you have from school days, the boys in the hood, right? Um, poetic justice. These were the, the show, the movies that they were trying to tell us, like, yeah, you could be That's a hood bugger. I learned in a different world. A different world. Higher yeah, learning. All of these, all of a sudden, they came out with all these these movies with black people going to college. Man, and Paris in the hood. The underlying thing was they was going to college. Absolutely, the school days of Spike Lee. Well, that's what I'm saying. They sold this to us, so that the generation, our generation, all of the young women was like, "I'm going to Spelman. I'm going to Morehouse." Right? They was going to these schools, and. They got these, these degrees, but then just don't work nowhere. Okay? And so now they're selling, on, they're selling you to college online. Sign up online. They got Master P and the son telling you to sign up for this college that probably don't have no accreditation that you ain't going to get no you know I'm credit for. And you're going to be in debt. Okay? And so... This is the like you know we gotta be pay attention to the to the signs and things that they out there that they they instill in us. You feel me? Absolutely. And at times, uh, I remember uh, Delbert Blair saying that uh, he had to unlearn things that he learned in school. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, a lot of it is is, is not useful, or it, it's trick knowledge that could hurt you by, uh, um, you know, absorbed in a certain way. So you have to like unremember. You got to unlearn it. You know, you take it just and throw away. You know, like some throwaway shoes, throwaway food or something. Can't take it that serious. But that's you important. Getting involved in these traditions, that you got to unlearn yourself from the concepts of of good and bad and good and evil and all that. Because a lot of that stuff that's been said to you was said to you to keep you away from certain things. You know what I'm saying? And so it's important that you that you come just to the, to this new philosophy without any opinion or philosophy. You have to accept it as it is and really understand it. Okay. Um, so that, you know, like I said, they, they, they're desensitizing you by showing you the dude walking through the, into the grocery store and, and put the hammer to his man. You feel me? Like, yeah. I was, I was like, yo, I looked at that, and I'm like, yo, that was Van Rufus. Like, how you did that? How you talked to your homie like that, bro? That the other homies walked over him. You feel me? That, that shows the, uh, our desensitization. Because when you can't, when you don't feel no way about that, that shows that you don't really have a heart. And if your heart is not open like that, that means that you're dead. You don't really have no feelings. You're not feeling yeah. nothing. I, I, I ain't see seen a lot of commentary on that at all. Like, that didn't even trend. And I seen LOLs attached to it and everything. Yeah, like, there's, there's people like, but, you know, that's, that's Call of Duty, you know, that's all these games where the violence is occurring and, and killing people, and, it's, and it's, like, it's like nothing. So, and you become desensitized by doing that, too. Playing the game, you shoot me up, each other all the time, and that's a certain way of training the mind. So, and all of that's energy. It's crazy. It's like a... a so, uh, even even in the school, clenched. Not one of them was like, oh, shit, son, here you... You wild and chill or went over there to go check on homeboy like, yo, son, you good? Like, you call the ambulance for him, son. Like, oh, son, why you shot him like that? You feel me? Nobody said nothing. They just stepped over son like he was a, like he was a dead dog. Like, what? Keep in mind, we talking about a generation, like Brother Kaiser said, from when they were like two or three years old in a virtual reality. You know what I mean? Because remember, they're not playing eight-bit video games. Like, we was playing Duck Hunt and, Gy- and Gyro and all of that other stuff and Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers. Right. Like, these dudes are playing Call of Duty and they're, mm-hmm. they're like Halo and they're playing, uh, they was playing uh, Grand Theft Auto from the beginning all the way up to part five. So they've been desensitizing and, and, and they've been um, somewhat unplugged from reality because of their you know, because they came up in that generation, that uh, video gener- that video game generation, like, you could go online and link up with dudes, like, globally and go on a murder spree on, on, on some of these games. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's so, the, the technology has advanced so much. Was, yeah. it's, not even, it's beyond 64 bits. I don't even know what kind of bits it's in right now. Oculus is coming where they could put themselves in virtual reality and literally, you know what I'm saying, be clipping dudes, and we all know that these are the same people that they recruit that are advanced in these games to, to play the simulators, the flighty planes, and just dropping these drones in these different countries. Sure. I'm, I'm at a sure. point where, yeah, a nigga might be nice on the console and be dropping drones and don't even know it at this point. Right. 
Right. So, yeah, he would just be on nights of the console, and he don't even know that his the buttons he pressing, he's dropping drones, he's dropping missiles out of a drone right now. You absolutely right. correct. He's dropping, he's dropping bombs on ISIS <laughs> to the yeah. mountain in Iraq. <laughs> on ISIS. <laughs> That's real talk. Mm. And, and, and that's crazy because, like you said, they're there in the three. They're in a fourth dimensional game now. It's not even three dimensions. There's four dimensions in that game, right? Because they play each other. It's very addictive. You know, you could be stuck playing that for hours, man. You could just forget about your job. You could forget the things you care. You would be playing that game for hours. I mean, it's not even just like people play it religiously. I mean, every time a new one comes out, you just people standing in front of the store waiting like it's Jordan. It's ridiculous. On 125th Street, the only place the Negroes spend the night outside, they don't even do that for the Apollo. They don't even spend the night outside to get tickets for the new edition reunion. It's GameStop and it's uh, House of Hoops Foot Locker. Facts. Yeah, Foot Locker and GameStop. And when the Yeezys dropped this, I don't even, like, they was, like, pink and black, and, and the shit was corny to me. Not only was the house on roofs, but they had six stores where grown men and, 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 and other people sleeping out there had beach chairs, and they had police protection up and down 100. I'm talking about paddy wagons with barricades to protect these Negroes so they wouldn't get stuck up in these streets. While they spent the night waiting for some goddamn sneakers to come out. Yeah, you know, yeah that's crazy. That's crazy. And that goes that's to show the power of economics. That's convenience. That's that's called useless eating. No, I I said on the show I gave my my Reeboks that I was wearing a birthday party a few weeks ago because I was wearing them just for one year. Okay, I got two uh-huh. pairs. I got two. I had two pairs, and I got three pairs of sneakers to my name. Thank God. But I come from that era, like Omar said, where material was everything to me. Boosting, I, I, you know, I gave up my whole youth going in and out of jail, being a booster, so I could look fly and I could be fresh for the females and all of that, and impress people in style and stunt on niggas who was trying to catch up to me. Right. Right. I sacrificed my childhood. I went to jail at 16. I was on Rikers Island in C-74 watching people get staples in their head. At 16, I was traumatizing for six months right. because I wanted to be part. I wanted to be down. So nobody can tell me about materialism. Nobody can tell me about sacrifice. Nobody can. I don't want to hear none of that. You get what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't mean anything to me right now because I know how to make, I can make a white T-shirt look fly. It's just, you you know, exactly. make the clothes, clothes don't make them, man. So I can wear a pair of sneakers for one year. I got talked about, you know what I'm saying? I, people that was close to me clowned on me. Not you, bro. You safe. You know? Right. right. Like, they don't understand. They don't get it because they so, and, and you'll see it. You'll see how much this material uh, consumerism world has got them encapsulated. But the brother's definitely right. It's a spell, it's a spell on the people. Right. Definitely. And it, it was around me, like I said, they they was indoctrinated with that by their mothers. Their mothers imparted it to them, and they become like the voice and the beacon in the hood to be like, oh, son, your, your sneakers can't be two months old. You know what I'm saying? That ain't yeah. woe. 
That's not Ralph. You gotta have these new joints. You know, That's whatever it takes. By any means, yeah. You gotta have these new joints. You know, what, what do people always say about polite? Oh, that's the dude that wears the phone posits. Why they don't talk about the books? Why they don't talk about the information? Why is it always, oh, he's the nigga that wears the phone posits? Or the products. Like, the sneakers have, huh? Oh, yeah, now the products. Right, if you
thank you so much for coming to us tonight. And you talked about so many things tonight that I can't even begin as a sister to talk about what you brought to us. You talked about brothers being real men. You talked about sisters being real queens. You talked about what the Internet is doing to our children. And I just want to say, Internet is energy. And we have to understand that because when we look at the Internet, you say, oh, well, it's just the Internet. We peek in and we peek out. But when brothers peek in and they look at something that's appeasing to their eyes, that takes them back to a place where they're now going back to an animalistic piece of, you know, view. And so the same thing goes on for the sisters. When they look at something, you know, like they just had this big piece about um, Idris Alba. He was half naked, you know what I'm saying? And the sisters was like, oh, wow, look at that. You know, it's something like we have to understand this is a world where the beast is beating on us nine times a day. They're beating us all day long. And we are now trying to be mothers, fathers to our children, trying to pay the bills. These are distractions. The real thing that we're supposed to be doing is coming together and realizing that when we come together, there's nothing that can defeat us. Nothing. There's nothing that... Go ahead, I want to thank you, first of all, for giving us your time and your attention. Okay. And I wanna I wanna congratulate you on hearing what I said. That I wasn't necessarily trying to beat up on the sisters, but I'm calling for a wake up. And not just for the sisters, but for the brothers too. Okay? And I appreciate you for giving your time and your attention to listening to what we were saying and not being defensive. Oh, you know, we need to better I'm not pointing any fingers in the re, in in regards to who's Better than or less than. I'm saying that we both need to get our things together. And what you're saying is very true about the energy that, that brings us into an animalistic, you know what I mean, perspective of men just being like dogs. Because the other thing is that young men got to stop that. Half of their conversation can't be about the acquisition of a woman. You understand? But can can I inter- can I intercede one second, brother? Sure. And thank you yeah. so much for appreciating that. I want to just say this: we forget psychology and we forget physiology. We forget that men are visual, and so yes, you will always appreciate the woman's body and the things that attract you to that. And women hate to admit this. But we are animalistic in that effect as well. Because when we see a man, it makes us want them as well. But you know what we want more than anything else? We want somebody at the end of the day. See, it's good to see that thing in the beginning of the day, but at the end of the day, we want somebody that says it's going to be all right and know that it's going to be all right. And we haven't had that for a very long time. And let me just address something that you said earlier in your program tonight. You talked about how at a time our women, you know, looked to our men and then, you know, the system came in and took our women away. 
let me tell you something about the women that appreciate feminism. Feminism was a distraction. Just like many of the things that today was a distraction, feminism was a distraction to make us stop wanting to be mothers, stop wanting us to be wives, because it's nothing like a good wife. It's nothing in this world like a good wife. Yeah, in the words of A.A. Rashid, you a legend. You a legend. You hear me? On the street. You're a Hold on. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's real we talk. You got to get your for that. Only 
Humble yourselves. Not a whole bunch. I ain't saying be nobody's slave. I ain't saying be no hookers, nigga on the side. I'm just saying for the women that will treat you and raise you like the men you're supposed to be, humble yourselves just a little tiny bit to understand we are not the enemy. We are not the enemy. It's women out here that will raise you up and make you be everything you were supposed to be. Yo, everything. she's a legend. Drop a bomb on that. She's a, she's a legend. Yo, fuck that. She's a legend, man. Yeah. Well, that shit is therapeutic. You understand? The fact that you're saying that, because that gives me hope. That lets me know. Brother, I love you. Do you know what? I ain't never heard you before. And listen, listen, I'm going to tell you, I've been on the Lexus circuit for the last 23 years. My oldest child is 31 years old. Mm. And I'm going to tell you. Mm. Mm. I've been on this lecture circuit for a long time, and you will find, if you go into Sarnetta, some of his old CDs, you'll find me. And I'm going to tell you this, I stepped off for a minute. And you know why I stepped off? Because I said, let me just wait for a minute and see if we're going to act like we want to do something. Because you know what? Sometimes the people that come out and speak their minds get tired of speaking their minds when ain't nobody listening. Mm. Why am I going to keep talking to a dead-ass wall? I put a post up earlier that said there's an old African proverb that says, you cannot awake a people that are pretending to be asleep. Our people are pretending to be asleep. Them niggas ain't asleep. Yo, that's, they ain't yo, sleep that's, at all. They awake. They awake and they scared. They got fear in their goddamn womb oh, and they got fear in their goddamn firm. They afraid. They are afraid to speak. They are afraid to stand up. That is why we allow people to get shot and we just stand there and be like, oh, well, we don't know what's happening. You know what's happening. You is a fucking scared person right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all I'm saying to you, and and, and I don't mean to get fired up, brothers, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to get fired up because as your mother... As your sister, as your friend, all I'm saying to you, all I'm saying is there are sisters here willing to help you if you would only, if you would only call on us. Because you know what? Even though you think you are oppressed, guess what? All Sarnetta's videos, all red, blue, bill, blue pill, red and blue, I'm sorry, brothers, all y'all videos showing brothers, y'all ain't never showing no sisters. The only sister I seen lately, lately, was the brother's, um, what's his name, from Public Enemy, his sister. But guess what? There's sisters out here waiting for you. We waiting for you, and we will do anything in the aid to make sure you have what you need to move forward. As far as education, we got that. As far as 
information we got that, and guess what? We got arms too, because guess what? I pop a nigga head back real quick. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? We legal too, and we legal, and we got license. Cause guess what? They gave us that right. They gave us the right to to what? Make our arms legal. So all my guns, brother, is legal. So come get one if you need one. Yeah, you're a legend. That's right. You gotta. You gotta. And you just you just necessarily put it down for all of the the sisters that's listening. That's the mentality that you're supposed to have in terms of supporting a black man, and nothing short of that right there, because that that is true. That is true militancy right there. That's how that's how our mothers are supposed to send us to war. What I was talking about earlier, if that's some, if mother is God, you know, if mother tells you that this is the wrong way to live, then that's what it is. But when she put that, that sword in your hand and send you out there to go slay that dragon, I mean, that's what it is. And, and can I say, can I just say something? In, can I say something in regards to that? Because I have to say this. As a sister of nine brothers, the mother of five sons, I'm going to say one thing. When I hear, when I hear a lot of the young men speak, I'm going to say we got a whole bunch of bitch-ass niggas running around here. True story. We got a bunch of wrong, we got a bunch <laughs> of wrong emotional, emotional, overly emotional, overly emotional boys running around here in men's suits. And I'm going to say that because I'm talking about men in their 30s, 40s, and 50s with their pants hanging down and talking about, hey, girl, can I get at you? All of that, wrong answer. Wrong answer. And I'm going to tell you something. They over-emotional for a good reason. Now, I'm coming at you now as a doctor. Wrong answer, and I'm going to tell you why. These men have not understood they have not understood. It's nothing wrong with being emotional. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. You can cry. You can express yourself. You can say, hey, this does not make me feel good in any way. But you want to know what doesn't work for me? And I'm going to tell you this as a doctor and as a woman. What doesn't work for me is this over-emotional shit like they can't handle this and they shooting these women in the head and acting out because you don't want to be with them no more, guess what? People are in your life for sometimes one day, a week, a month, a year, a season. That's what people are there for. Sometimes people are not there for the long run. They're there to teach you a lesson. Learn the lesson. Learn the lesson and move on. Learn the lesson and move on. How many of my brothers listening to me right now have been in a relationship, been in a relationship, and that relationship may not have worked out to the the point you wanted it to or you thought it was supposed to go to, but you learned a lesson in it. True story. 
True story. You learned a lesson because you know what you learned. You know what you can now handle and what you can't. You learn what's good for you and what's not. This is what this life walk is about. This life is a fucking lesson. It's like like school, K through 12. You understand? It's like K through 12. Some of us come here at kindergarten level. Some of us come here at a different level. But guess what, brothers and sisters? I promise you this. At the end, you will know that this walk has been about learning something about yourself. Nobody else. Nobody else. This has been learning about you. What is your name, Queen? Hello? Yes, sir. What is your name, Queen? What's your name, sister? My name is Jamila Elbay Shakur. Yo, life is in progress to you every day. Let me tell you, that's real talk. You say what you speak. I hope every young woman that's listening be able to, to, to convey that conversation to another sister. Because that's real shit right there that you said. Brothers, I love you so much. Brothers, I love you so much. And I have so much hope for you. Much love to you. I have so much hope for you. You know why? It will take my men, and I claim all of you, all of you that are listening and all of you that will listen in the end, I claim all of you. You are my men. My men, the men that will see my vision through. That's right. You will That's do it. my work. Right. You hear me? I That's am. It. I am mother. You will see my work through, and I will not leave <laughs> this existence until you make my shit right. Absolutely. And I got right. to salute you for the work. I'm, I'm saluting you for the work that you've already done, Queen. You hear me? Because in your words, in your conversation, I can hear the I can hear the, the wisdom dripping off of it and all of your past deeds. Let me tell you, what you're saying, that shit is so real because that that gives me the understanding that the sisters are not all blind, blinded to materialism and all of that, and that there are some queens that's holding us down that are producing black men that understand that they need to pull their fucking pants up. Brothers, brothers, we love you. We love you. Do you understand? In 40-some-odd years, almost 50, let me tell you something. I ain't never seen nothing, nothing as beautiful as a black man that's confident with intelligence. Nothing as beautiful as that. Mm. It's nothing as beautiful as an intelligent black man. Mm. And I don't care what he got on, from his birthday suit to a business suit. Guess what? I done <laughs> seen it all, brother. Trust me when I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. From a birthday suit to a business suit, it's nothing as beautiful as an intelligent black man. And we need to read for God's sake, whatever God you believe in or not, because I love Ankh, the God killer. I love them all. 
I guess what? <laughs> Whatever you believe in or not, it's nothing like a well-read man. Nothing like a well-read man. Because you know what? If you want to tell me, and this is what I just had one of my students tell me last week. She said to me, oh, I don't believe in the Bible. And I said, okay, sister, have you ever read the Bible? And she said, no. Well, how can you tell me you don't believe in something you never read? You can't tell me. You can't tell me you don't believe in something if you have never read it. Guess what? I don't care if you believe in the Bible or not, because guess what? I don't care. (laughs) Okay, that's how I feel about that. But (laughs) read what you want to read. I don't care if you read an Archie comic book, but guess what? (laughs) Tell me you read it before you tell me you don't believe it. I hear that. And I'm going to just say this in conclusion because you know what? I can go on all night, all night long with y'all. I'm going to just say this. We're going to have to, have to book you. with you because like you said, we do need more female guests on the program. This is an open platform. It's not like, you know, we're keeping them out of the ring. I think they're we're intimidated, brother. Let me tell you something. Y'all are so strong and so powerful. And you want to know what? Y'all intimidate every sister that think about opening her mouth. But guess what? I'm an old bird, so I don't I, care about that. You know I, what I'm I don't, saying? I don't think that's true. We we make it very inviting, very comfortable. I, you know this what? Not, but you um, know what? Our sisters, like our, sisters don't, yeah. our sisters don't have no backbone because they ain't got no daddies. Well, I let I let Queen Jamila to be the first one that y'all bring on the show to have her conversate and talk to the sisters. I will always be there for you. You you can always, always come to me for assistance because I'll give you anything you need. But I will say that I have watched the videos over the years, especially in this last couple of months, because Sonetta is a good friend of mine. I love that boy like that. You know what I'm saying? And um, I've been watching these videos. I ain't seen no sisters except for Professor Griff's sister. You know what I'm saying? And that was very uh, brief. Sister um, A. Genesis. Shout out to Sister A. Genesis Samadhi. Beautiful sister. Beautiful sister. Yeah, she came in the beginning of the summer and did her thing. And um, we're going to do some more work with her as well. We got a a few other sisters that we're working with. So that's coming. I look forward. I look forward because I love you guys so much. And as a mother, I just look forward. I just look forward to my future because you guys are my future. All that I work for, all that my mother and my grandmother work for, you guys are now the product. I want to see something. I want to see. I want cash from this. Y'all supposed to cash out for us. It's like casino. You know, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, and now I have now want to see what the fuck have we produced. What have we produced? I want to see something. I want to see something. Stop telling me what you're going to do and do it. 
Stop telling me what you're going to do. I don't need to know what you're seeing in your visions, what you're seeing in your car. Do something for me. Show me something. Give me something. Where can I go to rest? Can Do I got some land? Can I eat some potatoes and shit? What can I do? Drop a bubble. That's real good. You my babies, you my babies, and I love you. You my babies, and I love you. And I never come to you in harshness. I only come to you in love. And you can call me anytime you want to, day or night, because I never sleep. Because guess what? I sleep when I'm dead. Alright? So get at me when you want to. Email me. Call me. Talk to me. Come see me. Come visit my land. Because guess what? I got some potatoes and onions growing in my yard. That's right. <laughs> Drop your email so for come the... Come um, get some. Can you for the family? Say again, please. Would you be so kind as to leave your email for anybody that, you know, for the brothers that may want to yes, test yes, basis? You want to know what my, anything you want, darling, anything you want, I will give you. Because guess what? I'm waiting for y'all. Y'all my fucking legacy. I'm waiting. This is what okay. I've been studying 28 years for. Jeez. Y'all my babies. I want this. Be- I I I, I believe, I'm a believer. I I I know a sage when I hear one. Real talk. Listen, Bay. Anything you want, come get some. Any day you want. Guess what? This ain't no side show. Any day you want. Sunday through Sunday. Anytime you want. Come on and see Mama. Where, where are you? Where are you? Bay? I am in I am in upstate New York, Hudson okay. Valley. Come Let's see me anytime you want okay. to. Okay. What's what's the email? I will I will put my email out there. It is LadyBayConsulting at hotmail dot com. And my okay. phone number is nine one nine two two eight one nine one six. Anytime you want to see me, come see me, babes. I'm here for you. Any book you want, I got a book collection that'll make a library cry. I promise you. (laughs) I promise you, my library is deep. And this discussion tonight was supposed to be about magic. And guess what? Mama got some shit on magic. That's right. So come see me if you want to now. Got you, Mama. We love you. I love you more, babies. Come see me. Thank you so much for doing what you do. I appreciate it, and I will always listen in. Thank you. We appreciate you. Good night, my babies. Peace and love. Love you, too. All right, peace. Okay. We got a few minutes left. Our brother Oba is line dropped, unfortunately. Um, I do see one more call in the call queue. I'm going to open up this line, 576-718-Peace. Ashe, Ashe. Oh, you raised. 
Yes, yes, friend. I just, you know, every I, I say to the red pill, I say to the blue pill, I say to uh, Brother Oba, um, it, it's crazy. Everything got manifested. My question got answered because I wanted to say one thing on the technology about the brother was saying, like, I want to see the technology reach to, like, ninja scroll level where everybody was talking on that imaginary line through their lips. And, uh, Number two, I wanted to ask him what the, what, what the universe was saying as far as Big Mama, what she had to give back to the universe to us to say, and she answered tonight. I want all the brothers to stand up, and uh, I want you all to get that sister a 21-gun salute and drop all the bombs. All the brothers should stand up because that's, 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 that's the Big Mama right there. That's the goddess. I don't know what to say. I'm about to cry, man, because oh, that's, yeah, that's no. You know what? And she's so right. That's what I wanted to say to y'all too. We we, we need fe- more females. The sisters need to talk. And and what the, and one thing too, and what the brother was saying about when he was hitting the trees doing the martial arts. There is a tree goddess in the, in this Kush religion. Her name is Yakashi. She's a tree goddess. So he is right. He's feeling the energy of the tree goddess once again. Big Mama. So everything has been manifested and answered through, through, through the gods because I was going to ask him, like, what is the spirit saying on the other side? What is Big Mama trying to re- re- relate to us? And uh, there it is. <laughs> That's it. And I think uh, every Friday should be Female Friday. That's just me speaking out loud. But we need to really, really get a sister's platform because – we the I'm, I'm, like she said I'm I'm a I'm I'm a, I'm a male and I'm I'm just tired of hearing all these dudes talk man when the sit when we gonna get a platform uh-huh. to the sisters because this almost seemed like Christianity now all these dudes just being a matriarchal the dude the dude what about the sisters the sisters nah come uh-huh. on let I feel you yeah so twenty one well. Exactly. You got to provide a platform to where they can come and they can talk as well to the sisters and as well talk as well to the male. Like like the like Big Mama just said a minute ago, the emotional thing. We got to have men that are able to talk to other females on an emotional level, dealing with their males to be able to have a better relationship as far as the black man and the black woman. And that's we we got to provide the, the platform. This. This upcoming year should be all platform for fee- for the sisters to come and speak their mind. There's all the lectures this year should be all I'm not, I'm, we're all female. You feel what I'm saying? It should be more female like speaking than men this coming yeah. year. It's, it's, it's time for Lucy. You know, Lucy got to so, step forward 100% and, and let it be known. I really am interested and want to know how the sisters feel right now. For real, because that's, I mean, I she said she got... Because <laughs> the emotionalism that I'm seeing, the outpouring of emotionalism based on, you know, the latest rash of events, it, it, it's really affecting the sisters. I'm seeing them really go in, and the confidence level for the men is falling real short. And uh, I just want to hear what's on their mind. I want to know how they feel. I want to know how this is affecting them mentally and spiritually. And we often talk a lot of times about the conscious community. You know, consciousness or consciousness is, is or the conscious part of our brain is male. The subconscious part is female, okay? That's the womb, you feel me? Not a lot enough people talk about what it takes 
to impregnate the subconscious with our thoughts. We're only focusing on the male aspect, which is the conscious, which is the 10%. When are we going to address the 90% where the work is really done? So I really feel that we need to bring the female forth so the conscious community can finally meet the subconscious community and we can unify the two and two can become one and we can actually really work on this mental magic that will get things done overnight. takes place in the dream state, y'all. takes place in the dream state, and it is triggered by feelings. Triggered by feelings, okay? What you go to sleep feeling about yourself, feeling about the world, feeling about society, feeling about these events, you're going to make it real in your dream state. So we have to start reprogramming how we go to sleep. It's that simple. This is a hologram, okay? It's perception-based, and we have to change how we are perceiving the things, right? The seeds are being implanted in our minds via the visuals we're seeing throughout the day. You got to change those things at night. Take it into the subconscious, into the womb of mother, and when you wake up, you're going to make up your creation. And we are waking up now to our creation, and then we're finding convenient excuses and acting like victims, blaming other people for the things that we're creating, all right? So it's, 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 a, it's a real wicked game of sorcery that's being implemented on us by way of them, you know, implementing visuals, you know what I'm saying, in the environments that we are getting stuck in, things that we're seeing by way of mass media. But we can take control. We have to take control of our minds, and the women is the key, okay? Our respect for her is reflected in our disrespect for our own subconscious. We don't even know our subconscious. It's like we don't know our women. We need to start knowing both of them. And the inherent power that lies in both of them, that's the key right there. We can change this overnight. And that's that's real. And and I, I and I think conversation. And I think what the the movement is truly lacking is the power of the vocals of the sister. Because I can't think of no other time except in antiquity is when the sisters was really pulling things by the rein and really ruling. And I'm thinking to myself, through this whole conscious movement, we haven't had an era yet to where we had the women at the forefront. Like, it seemed to me when the women are at the forefront, the movement goes further. It jumps, like, from 1 to 100 real quick. You feel what I'm saying? Because... It seems to me we haven't had that era of the female strong power take hold of the movement and take this thing further. Because when I was watching that hair uh, segment that Sarnetta had and the way the sister felt as she was like, she sort of felt attacked, but at, on, a, on a metaphysical level to me, she was ready. It's just like what the sister was saying. These people are awake, but they scared to what powers they have. And they, and the only one that ain't really scared or ready to rock is the sister. You feel what she, I'm saying? So she I would, gotta she stop. I gotta stop she would make a formidable soldier. For what? She would with, make with, with well, the right score, the right information. She she she's uh, a lioness. Yeah, she would have been ready. Her hair spoke she was the lioness. Just even even though she had the weave on her head, but if you looked at it, it was shaped as the lioness.